episode of season six of the talking lead ak corner and as you saw there we are welcoming back pioneer arms corps as our presenting sponsor Woohoo! so welcome in cj michael you both are together i wasn't expecting this you guys are down in florida today i was expecting michael to be in poland but this is great i could have come to florida to do this yeah he's it's too cold in Poland right now for Michael. <laughs> He's migrated uh, to the U.S. Brought his dogs, I understand. Yeah. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. Also joining us this episode, back for another season of the Talking Lad AK Corner, is your favorite Russian soldier, historian, author, all around just a great guy, ladies and gentlemen, Marco Vordaviv. Marco, welcome in. Hey, Marty, you left out a few things. Marco is a uh, former Spesnaz, and he also has the equivalent of the uh, U.S. military Purple Heart because he was wounded severely in Afghanistan. So not only is he a, a Russian soldier, former Russian soldier, he's a hero of the motherland. Well, you do me much honor, I have to say. But um, um, it's I'm glad to be back. Uh, it's kind of... Um, became this um regular thing for me and for um you know and i hope listeners you know learn something from me or our listeners don't judge me harshly though <laughs> so, but anyway yeah i'm glad to be back and uh awesome so marco we're glad to have you back the listeners wouldn't have it any other way you you brought so much education to the show last season that I think I would have had a mutiny if we didn't have you back for season six. So welcome wow. back and thank you. And thank you. I'm humble. Thank you. Know, you. CJ was giving your, your bona fides there. Uh Oh, let's add them back to the stage. You guys back. Sorry about that. Yeah, Again, I'm using a, a whole new system here, Leadhead. So uh, if I jack something up, forgive me. Perfect. It, it's going to get better as we go each episode. But CJ uh, himself, CJ's been on the show several times, but for you you new listeners, CJ is also a hero himself. Uh, many, many tours over in the sandbox. Many, many medals. I mean, I don't know how many medals, how many Purple Hearts and all that you got, CJ. Uh, I've only got four Purple Hearts, uh, Silver Star, Bronze Star, and some other stuff. Also but an author. I, I think I have to reciprocate here. So in order for someone to comprehend uh, what CJ did was that his Bradley was the first one into Baghdad. That's Bradley for you that you don't speak Russian. He said Bradley. That's Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you something. So And, and CJ is also an author. He wrote the book Carnivore, and it's a great book. Uh, I've read the book, listened to the audio. I've done both of them, and uh, absolutely enjoy that. Uh, CJ, we're going to have you on. I, have we done an episode of just talking about your book? I don't think we've done that, have we? 
I, I don't think we have. I mean, it was it was a long day. So I mean, it's that's a part of my life that you know that happened a, a while ago, and you know, it's the best way to describe it is you know that was, it was just a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. That that's true. So we'll have you on like a normal episode, and uh, we'll talk about uh, your experiences in, in your book there. Maybe Marco would want to co-host on that episode too. Well, absolutely. Well, it's, I'll be what's, uh, honored to do it. But I think we. Oh, go ahead, CJ. I'm sorry. I said, "What well, you know? You you got to have the Russian guy there talking about the Russian guns that either I defeated or shot me." So, <laughs> right, exactly. So we'll do that. Um, and then, Michael, I think this is your very first time on the podcast, um, even though. We did a podcast from Poland about six years well, ago. Yeah, six years ago. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we were. Able, were you on that one? Yeah, I was the that time on the podcast in Warsaw. Okay. Yeah, it was at the range, or I think it was at that at range. the shooting range. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So welcome back, Michael. Is the president of Pioneer Entrepreneur, Rodham Poem, and is it Rodham or Radom? Radom. Radom. There you go. I like it when you say it better. It rolls off the tongue a lot better. Uh, so welcome in, Michael and CJ. Thank you. Thank you for and I'm just shocked that you guys are together and you're you're there in Florida. You're here in the United States. How long how long are you going to be here? Oh, probably for another few months. So I'm becoming a local guy right now. OK, so I need to come there and we need to do the show. Agreed. Bloody yeah, because I don't like the winter either. It's cold here in in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cold oh, in Florida. Boo, boo, boo. I mean, it's down to like fifty here at night, so it's getting getting definitely colder. Yeah. So that's what Marco has. I know his how you guys survive at night on. at fifty degrees. It's rough. I've got to put on my winter hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, Marco's thermostat set on fifty degrees in his house. You think? Oh, no, I, I would probably just die if it was at fifty degrees at my house. Well, if it was any higher than that, it would melt its cold heart. It's fifty-two, so it's, it's slightly. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's get into this. We we are welcoming Pioneer Arms Corps to the to the podcast, presenting sponsors of season six, and we have got a great season in store for you leadheads. Uh, as you can probably surmise, we're going to be talking a lot about Polish AKs, Polish weaponry. Um, Pioneer Arms Corps is known for more than just their AKs. They make the PPS-43, the PM-63s, uh, probably something that and look at Marco. He's holding up one of his PM63s. And he's got the holster too. Look at that. Holster, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Mine's hidden. I, it's behind my head back here somewhere on the wall. I think it's right there. Yeah, we'll see that. Uh, I'll go grab that. Mine's stamped 1968. What what year is yours, Marco? 71. Ha! Got you beat. <laughs> no, there's no way. You don't even come close because mine is select fire. Okay, well, you got me there. <laughs> you do have me there. Uh, we'll have to get some videos of you shooting that. Definitely. Uh, but that and you guys are, and a lot of people may not know this, but 
and this is probably taboo to talk about on this show, but you guys also are producing uh, ARs there in Rodham. Not for the U.S. market, but for... Yeah, but this is strictly for military contracts. So I yeah. would rather not talk about this right now or to the extent, whatever I can say. So, yeah, but we do we do produce... Uh, AR parts as well as well we're aiming right now to to produce a complete guns as well. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And since I've been there, you guys have have come a long way. You've uh, expanded the factory over there, and we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit also. Um, but what uh, I think our listeners would, would very much be interested in, Michael, is if you could maybe give us a little bit of history about how you came to to acquire, to own the uh, Circle Factory and take over production of the AK-47s there in Rodham. Uh, you know, we, we started there in 2001, I believe. I, I think it was 2001. And, uh, you know, in the, in the very beginning, we were not really in the AK product. We were producing completely different stuff. Uh, like uh, that was the time we were concentrating on the double barrel shotguns. And uh, it was uh, meant for cowboy action shooting in the United States. Yeah. Uh, so well, that's interesting. How did you get into the double barrel shotguns? Because that's like totally out of left field for you know what our listeners are probably thinking. You know, it was it was that time that uh, basically cowboy action shooting in beginning of of uh, century was pretty hot sport in the United States, you can say, and there was no other producers. You know that you, right now you have massive production coming from Turkey, but that time there was uh, barely none or barely little, as I remember. And, uh, <clears throat> you know... Um... Michael's, Michael's been a little modest here. Um, he's a very gifted engineer, and there was uh, some guys that were doing the cowboy action shooting and stuff um, that learned about the opportunities and stuff they have, and they presented to him um, the type of gun that they wanted and the type of double action, um, double barrel shotgun they wanted rather, um, you know, it was, they wanted a nice European one because you were looking at the ones that were made in Belgium, um, you know, these very European expensive yeah. high-end shotguns and they yeah. wanted those at a price where they could afford. So Michael designed this gun and started building them in, in Poland, this high-end shotgun for the guys to go out there. And it became very popular. As a matter of fact, we have probably 20 people a month contact us wanting us still to produce those shotguns. Um, and oddly enough, Pioneer takes care of the warranty uh, on these, on everything that was made Pioneer. You know, we, we honor that warranty to make sure everything's taken care of. And in the time that I've been working here with Pioneer USA since 2017, we've not had one single shotgun that was produced from Pioneer Arms uh, to come back to us for warranty work or parts or anything else. So he's, he's a very gifted engineer. Uh, he answered the call, um, you know, of what the customers wanted and stuff. And he's a very customer orientated 
uh, engineer. So he came up with a shotgun for that purpose. So which is there brought a, us in, yeah, brought there, us to the AKs because people were starting wanting the AK. So that's where we've come in there. But you know, idea idea of our company from the beginning was to produce everything in house. So <clears throat> that's why we end up in in uh, Plant Eleven Radom starting uh, 2001 because uh, even with the shotgun all of the parts uh, were made by us in-house and required the space people skilled workers and you know my immediate uh, choice was radon because you know i could find the skilled people there machinery and and then start the production of course how uh, Dillard explained later on we we were I mean our interest was transferred to the AK products and other products but the you know shotgun was the trigger for us for pioneer so you know kind of what that's what kicked it off was the the yeah, shotgun, exactly. double barrel exactly. shotgun and exactly. you know being in in Poland is there cowboy action shooting in Poland or is this a strictly an American kind of demand I would say strictly in in US, very you know in Poland and Europe it was like a niche market. Yeah, um, and I've seen pictures of. I haven't actually seen or shot one of your your shotguns, and I understand that you're not making those anymore. Is that correct? You're not making the shotguns. No, we don't. It was very time consuming, and you know, right now with this humongous uh, competition from Turkey, we'll not be able to compete. All yeah. of, you know, our, our shotgun was the Grinner, Grinner Lack, um, which it's very complicated to build. Uh, but uh, basically, yeah, we discontinued the line. Okay. Well, they're, they're beautiful shotguns. Um, I, I would like to get one of those. So if any of you listeners have one of those and you'd like to, to sell it, talkinglet at gmail.com. You can email me. Hey, Leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called Seal Skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm, inside and out, bore, barrel, everything, with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're gonna pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings, so I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such you will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, 
polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a 25% off discount. <laughs> or maybe trade. Maybe we'll trade for something, but. Uh, yeah, so the shotgun is what started you guys off back in around 2001, turn of the century. Uh, you guys are are getting into the the Circle 11 factory there. Is that the Fabrica Brony? Yes, that's Fabrica Brony. Um, the the whole complex was built in early 20s of previous uh, of uh, 20th century, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the building which we First, uh, which we uh, have right now, one of the buildings, because we're on right now uh, two buildings, was built in 1924. And this oh, was our first building we moved in. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that building's got some rich history to it. And exactly. exactly. I had the privilege of getting a tour of that back in uh, the 2018 uh, when you guys sent us up there. It was me, Rob Manning. Um, uh, who all was there? Uh, David Fortier. Yeah. Jim Tar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a great group of guys there. And we uh, really appreciate you taking us around. You were kind of our tour guide of the, not only just, you know, when we were there in Rada, but you took us on a tour of the, the, the area there and the surrounding uh, country. We went to Czechoslovakia. We went to, uh, I went to Czechoslovakia to visit one of our, and only one military customer, the Excalibur company. Excalibur, and that place was was amazing. Uh, just the tanks and everything. We got to to drive a tank while we were there, and they sh they did some shooting demonstrations. And uh, yeah. and the the place that had all the surplus, what was that? Uh, that was uh, this is Excalibur rep in Poland. Uh, he was you know. He's working still with Excalibur. He's just, you know, has like, uh, he buys the stuff from Polish military, which yeah. gets transferred to Czech for the repair overhaul and so on. Yeah. So he, he, he's in, in, in the, in the, um, Excalibur family. Let's, let's put it. Okay. All right. They're an extension of the Excalibur guys. There. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was just amazing. And then you know, you took us to the towns and the restaurants, and the food was just nothing less than amazing. I don't think I had anything there that I didn't want to have a second helping of. It was amazing. The tartar uh, was <laughs> was spot on. Absolutely loved it. Uh, but but it, it's it's a it, the whole European area there around Poland and Poland. I mean, you guys just have a rich history. We went to that museum uh, on our, I guess it was our last day. And yeah. The military. Museum. Museum. Yeah, that was Museum of Warsaw Appraisal. Let's wait for that siren to go by there. Are they coming to arrest you, Marco? They finally got me. <laughs> they finally got you. <laughs> but, they, but they're not going to take me. What was the... What was the museum? What was the name of that museum? The museum, it was Museum of Warsaw Appraisal. 
that uh, in 1944, uh, at the end of the war, um, Polish people started the appraisal in Warsaw. Warsaw is the capital of Poland uh, and was the capital of Poland at that time. And basically, general idea would, was to liberate uh, Poland from Germans before the Russian front will come. That was, you know, general idea. Um, but, you know, the, the, after two months, the, the appraisal uh, failed. And uh, there was also stipulation that maybe on the second part of the appraisal that Russians will help, but unfortunately they stopped the front and they let people to bleed and they enter empty, empty city in 1945. And your family has uh, a deep military history as well. Talk about your They do, they do. I'm sorry, Marco, but <laughs> you are a historian, so you will understand that. Basically, you know, all of my family was uh, based on the eastern part of Poland and uh, they were in uh, active members, poly military members in World War One and World War Two. And in World War One, they were fighting against the Russians on, on the um, eastern front. Uh, you know, of course, World War One included, you know, there was fight with Russians, Germans, Austrians. There was the, the, libera the liberation of Poland from from 300 years of, of occupancy by by Russians, Germans, and uh, Austria. In World War II, again, you know that uh, when the World War II started, uh, uh, most of the members of my family went on the Eastern Front because you know German attacked Poland on September 1st, the Russians attacked Poland on September 17th. So since they were actually located on the eastern part of Poland. They were, they went to fight with Russian, Russians, um, except one guy who was actively, he was the, uh, in cavalry, you know, like most of the military in uh, 1939 was, you know, infantry or, or soldiers on, on, on horses, the cavalry. Cavalry, yeah. Cavalry, cavalry. yeah. 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 So th this was a very interesting episode because, you know, the uh, German companion stopped uh, was, uh, I think, like early October. So it took Germans like six weeks to, to uh, occupy whole Poland. But this uh, uh, formation in which my uh, grandfather was uh, fighted till June of 1940. And it was only one fully, uh, uh, only one military unit, uh, uniformed with horses. There was 50, uh, over 50 people on horses, over 200 people infantry, and about 20, 30 people of, of you know, uh, logistic. Uh, and they were fight, fighting since let's say September 1st right. till end of June 1940 in forest in Poland you know they, there was there's a bunch of books about them as well movies uh, the name of this formation was uh, named by the by the um, leader uh, major Dobrzański whose nickname was Hubal so anyone who uh, listen right now and 
uh, has Polish background will know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, uh, so basically, uh, how I said, Poland surrounded in October of 1939. These people survived and fought as a regular uh, army till June of 1940. Michael, I got a question. Yes. Um, so after the invasion of uh, Soviet Union by the Germans, what happened to that unit? Uh, after invasion of like in uh, the June to, uh, June of forty one, uh, yeah, the unit was active only till June June nineteen forty. The oh, personnel. So after the June nineteen forty, and and this unit was actually you know it was operating in a central Poland, but you know you know how the things were when structured at that time. Basically, there was like um, Soviet-German agreement to divide Poland on the Vistula River. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was, you know, Pact of Liebentrop Mowotov. So uh, this unit operated on the uh, German side. On the German side, yes, yes. But did yes. Uh, a lot of them survived and managed to uh, join the Army Krajowa? Or uh, later, maybe uh, yeah, the yeah. Person. The Armia Krajowa it was like uh, partisans, uh, so uh, that was you know formation in forest, but they were without uniform, uh, you know, like like let's say guerrillas, like a guerrilla underground fight. But but the formation I'm talking about the Hubal, uh, it was regular military forces on horses, uh, infantry. Uh, heavy machine guns, and they were they were a nightmare for Germans. They were, you know, Germans. There was numerous of fights in 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 forest neighbor Warsaw and Kielce and Radom. Actually, they operated in this area, and uh, finally, uh, somehow, I guess, uh, you know, Germans used some. They had some someone who, how you say that. Someone leaked the information. They had spies. And yeah, exactly. And they, they were able to to locate the headquarters of this unit, and and they took the headquarters and they killed uh, the the, the uh, guy in charge. And basically, the formation disappeared. My great grandfather uh, was able uplift this this uh, and was able to. Uh, to flee to Africa. As a, a couple of segues to go into that real quick. Um, sure. Once the, once that it went in, the Russians came in. A lot of the Polish soldiers and were stuff there that weren't captured by the German. A lot of those went to France, and they fell underneath the bureau, uh, the uh, district of the British. So they fell underneath that. And what Michael's talking about is grandfathers. We actually have a limited edition Carpathian rifle uh, for the Third Carpathian. Uh, brigade and basically what this what this Carpathians um, oh, yeah. war they That's they right. went down and they were in uh, they like his grandfather they wound up going down into Syria what is present uh, day Syria uh, Israel now in, in the Middle East and they were stationed down inside of there. Uh, because that's where the Russians sent them. And then they moved over and joined the British. And they were the third Carpathian division slash regiment. Depends on what part of history you read, but it's still the third Carpathian. And they went and, and fought in places like Trabuk, where the 
Queen of England uh, gave them a medal, for, and they were called the Rats of Trebrook because underneath the siege and everything else, they couldn't get the poles out. And then that same unit was instrumental for the uh, Mount uh, Montesino in Italy, where we fought forever to try to take the monastery that the Germans held. Uh, the Poles were finally the unit to be able to go to Mount Montesino and actually liberate it. Uh, it was kind of a hollow victory because the Germans lost about 20,000 and we lost about killed or captured or wounded about 65,000 soldiers to be able to do it. And the third Carpathian uh, was the last unit to go up to finally take it. And they took some very, very serious losses uh, with that. We have a rifle, a limited edition 200 run series with a certificate just of that particular gun. That's awesome. And are those still available? Yeah, there's, there's some still available out there. Um, you can find them at uh, either Atlantic or Classic Firearms as far as those guns do in particular. We don't really do our limited editions to do that one. There's a certificate that talks about the history of the third Carpathian. The gun is actually engraved with the Carpathian logo on it. Um, and then there's a certificate that's signed with the, the limited number of the serial number on it and the limited number of the gun it is. And it all has a, an embossum or a raised seal and the signature nice. stamp of Pioneer Arms as a collector gun that we do. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's the same price as our other guns. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you missed an opportunity there. You could have jacked that up a little bit. Uh, we don't we don't believe in jacking up the price. We believe in letting the customers get a good quality gun for a for a very fair fair price. Yeah, and you guys are very very well priced on your your firearms, and we're we're going to talk about that. But back to the the family history there, and you, you're talking about your great grandfather there. Those pictures that I were that I was just showing was that some of your family? That was actually this uh, unit. Uh... I was talking about uh, this one, which operate uh, till 19 uh, till June of 1940, called uh, Hubal. That's why I placed, you know, 1930, 19, 1940, last Polish cavalry because there was a regular military formation. So that, yeah, that's that's my uh, family members. I was gonna pull it back up there. So you you have these in your office uh, when we did the yeah. tour. You had these hanging up. Yeah. Uh, they were very interesting uh, pictures there. So is, let me go back to that one that had the, the two fellas there. Is that, is that some family members there? Uh, two, two fellows. It's, uh, it's uh, the young fellow. It's the guy who was in uh, this Hubal formation and the older guy, it's my great grandfather who was the colonel and he um, he ended up in the in the Middle East in in 1939. Oh wow! Let me get back to my screen there. Was that coming up? I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. You should have clicked yeah. on more. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, my bad. I'm learning. I'm learning here. My great grandfather actually he was a colonel uh, and he actually retired in 1939 uh, but you know when when with with uh, war starting in september of 19 oh, he retired in 38 and he, at, when war started in on september 1st 1939 he was called back to the to his uh, former unit and and he led the people on the eastern part 
Uh, he was captured by, by Russians. He was placed in one of these camps, uh, Randkatyn. Uh, but then, you know, when when uh, Polish forces under the British forces were able to to strike the deal with Stalin, uh, wh whoever remained and was not killed in Katyn was able to leave uh, but, Russia but, to Middle East, and that's one. My my great grandfather was one of them. But didn't they go Lucky. to Siberia first to be equipped and and uh, formed into some kind of units, and then from there went to Middle East? Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he spent some time in in uh, in Russia then. Yeah, yeah, he months. did. Yeah. So you got you got a rich military uh, family history there, background, and uh, I'm sure growing up. Uh, did they talk about it much? Did you get to talk with your grandfather? Did, did your father? Uh, actually, you know, only only one person who to whom I was able to talk was my my grandmother. Uh, she was the daughter of this guy who was the colonel, uh, because the rest of the people either were killed in World War II or they never come back to Poland. Yeah. They were afraid to come back after after. Uh, Russians took over in 1945. Yeah. So I was able to talk to my uh, grandfather on the phone when he was residing in London. Uh, he never wanted to come back. Uh, and with my with his wife, my grandmother, who actually introduced me to all of the history and 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 uh, I was able to learn about the cutting uh, when I was small kid. Uh, in 1970s, when in Poland, no one knows what the Katyn state stands for. It was, you know, basically a place where Polish officers were were um, executed by Soviets. Yeah. I, I found that with my grandfather, too. My grandfather uh, served in World War II and couldn't really ever get him to, to talk about it. He would never, he'd never talk about it. He'd bring it up. He'd change the subject and... Of course, my grandmother, he never talked about it with her, so she didn't really know anything about it either. So uh, it's just something that I wish when he was alive that I would have maybe pressed a little bit harder for him to, to talk about it and give his There's experience. a reason he didn't talk about it, Marty. Sure. No, I get it. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I understand. But, you know, it's, it's, it's history, <clears throat> and, you know, it's those things that you look back on, and only those people, and they take it to their grave, unless you can get them to, to talk about it or, or write about it. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good history out there. And but to, to personally, you know, have family members that were part of it, it's just something I wish I would have been able to. to well, talk about. yeah, the problem is that um, you know, the World War II shaped the world, so it had an amazing impact on uh, how things are and things and unfortunately those who take took part uh and participated in it in whichever way uh are going away i mean there's very few left that, who are still alive uh, who can recall this stuff so i've been saying it for years that somebody knows a veteran go see him you know get his stories um because it needs to be remembered what the world had to deal with at the time. yeah what what actually happened the real story instead of some of the stuff that you're seeing in in history books that when we get into an episode, 
when we get into an episode and we talk about my book, I've got some explanations to go on that and stuff. I okay. never wanted a book. I never wanted to be part of that book. Everything in that book that started out with come out of the history of the ground war in Iraq. And there was two or three pages in there that got filtered out about me. And then someone took that, put it together, and it was getting ready to be produced as a book. And they asked me because all of the information in there as far as the kills and the scenarios and stuff, if I wanted to do any input in it because it was going to get published because it was public information and I didn't own it. So the stuff in my book, I went in and tried to give tribute to the people. So it wasn't about me for that, but I never wanted the book and never made a nickel off the book and still haven't made a nickel off the book. And it's just, I, I understand whenever people talk about that, you know, that it's, we need to be preserved in history for this other stuff. Um, but there's just certain, a lot of times when I say a long day or that's part of my life, that's not here anymore. There's a lot of stuff that happens in your life that you need to close the door and walk away from for your sanity. And Marco understands. Yeah. We call it the cartoons. So <laughs> the, and the, and the ability, how you manage your cartoons in your head every day is what separates you from being insane or sane person. Yeah, you know, so but there, yeah. but there's a reason there's a reason that 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 some people aren't able to be able to talk about it. Like I, I knew Woody from uh, Hacksaw Ridge. I, I, I have a friend that I served with um, that later become a captain that we were scouts. When we first come in with and, and I had met I had met Woody and um, to this day or till the day he died, he never really talked about it. And his story that came out. Um, he didn't tell his story. It was told by other people because he didn't want people to think of him that way. Yeah. But then you get into problems with people telling your story, trying to tell your story and not getting it right. So that's you know. why I added, that's why I added in the book of what I saw through my eyes and what happened when I was there. So it wasn't just a, a bunch of blatant statements that people went out there. That's the only reason that I'm listed on part of the book is for everything else is because we had 18 year old kids over there moving ammo and unarmored vehicles getting shot at, bringing ammo to me when I was fighting tanks and, and they were much, much more a hero than what I did. And I wanted to make sure that they got tribute for what they did. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to tell somebody else's story just to give them, give them a little traction for what they are doing because you know, the war, is not just the two guys uh, posing each other with guns. There's whole kinds of stuff going on, like those, you know, the logistics and the and the ammo resupplies and things like that. Uh, you know, MREs or even uh, we had we had people flying sorties on the helicopters just to drop crates of AKs to us. You know, in the, in the prolonged engagements. And the Afghans still have those AKs. <laughs> and they're still using them. Yeah, they're using our ARs and our Hummers. Well, they upgraded, but yeah, I, yeah, they they probably CJ. They probably a little better equipped now nowadays. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> a lot better. But yeah, yeah. So um, back to Michael uh, and your father. Did your father also serve? No, no, no. My father was too 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 young to serve. He was like a kid during the World War II, so no, no, he wasn't. And then, later on, he 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 did not join the military. He was the commercial pilot. pilot so, 
So yeah. basically, military uh, history kind of stuff on the on the World War II area. So when you guys moved into this factory, uh, what kind of what kind of condition did you get it in? And did you have to do any refurbish? Right, which is great. If I may interrupt, why don't we talk about what was that factory all about before or during the heyday of a Warsaw Pact or whatever? I mean, was it the no, you're reading my mind. That's perfect. Yeah, right. that's and then, and then, uh, you know, this was this was one of the one of the biggest AK uh, and firearms producers in in the Cold War area. Uh, you know, there was, uh, I believe, uh, in the peak times, there was like fifteen up to twenty thousand people working there. Oh, wow. That's 1970s, uh, late 60s, 1970s. Uh, the capacity, the production capacity was unbelievable. They could produce up to hundred thousand AKs a month. Uh, the the plant was humongous, was huge. Uh, everything was produced inside the plant. They didn't have any outside vendors because you know there was like uh, no one could know what what was going over there. And so. It was it was really big enterprise. Michael, quick question: When did they start producing AKs? Uh, well, in nineteen fifty something or? Uh, good question. Um, I think it was mid fifties. My, my not... thing says nineteen fifty six. Yeah, I think so too. But there was you know the in beginning was the milled receiver. Uh, then they went to the stamped receiver in seventies, I believe, and to sixties beginning. Sixties probably because yeah, it, yeah, uh, Russians yeah. start making them in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I bought, I bought uh, from the because the plant was closing down in year two thousand. I bought from the uh, court appointed uh, judge who was liquid selling out the assets of the of the plant 11 i bought original drawings and i have original russian drawings and original polish drawings which were based on the russian drawings so i, I could probably look at the <laughs> the, the dates stamps on the, on the, on the drawings exactly exactly so what i was guiding at and and i'm sorry for interruption but we'll mm -hmm. we'll return to it just just remember this as we progress in our discussion Mm -hmm. okay about the pioneer arms okay then marty okay 1956 yeah. original drawings 57 yeah uh the uh what michael and, said and what was going on about uh, around that time i thought uh, well there's a couple of unique stuff that uh just because russia was as big as it was and all of these and i'm going to call them enclaves satellite states whatever you want to call them in order to keep the masses because of the socialist regime that was set in russia they had to spread the wealth around that's like in ukraine believe it or not ukraine manufactured all the tanks and all the tank motors and that are the motors for their ships ukraine built all of that stuff for the russians and so large 
stockyards of tanks and stuff are still in Ukraine after they were granted their independence because they were doing this stuff for the Russians. So the Russians spread stuff around. Like Belarus was one of the largest supply depots that they have. So when a lot of people are talking about, uh, you know, surplus stuff and everything else, it's because Belarus was a satellite state that would be do the distribution of that. And then you had Poland, which had two factories in it that built AKs. You had factory number uh, 11, and then you had the second factory, which was designated with the circle around it for the circle 11. And those were both, one was a sewing machine factory and the other one was a typewriter factory prior to World War II. And then once the Germans had taken over that area, the Germans actually started converting those into weapons factories. Funny how so, in the U.S. during World War II, Corona Smith or Smith Corona, whatever, typewriter factory made yeah. the M1 carbines. <laughs> the, the, uh, the tanks that were being made in World War II uh, were made in uh, Kentucky at the uh, at the uh, Chevrolet plant that they have there. And the Bradleys and stuff that we have that were built, that we used in Iraq and so on, they were made by FMC, which is the food corporation. So machine ARs in Vietnam were made by Mattel, the toy company. So it's whichever major manufacturing company had the ability to produce uh, the weapons and stuff to do that. And U.S. used our government or powers to uh, have the U.S. factories to start building military guns, whereas the Russians were smarter and they had already designated factories in their satellite countries to go ahead and start manufacturing all of their guns. For instance, Ishmash, um, Tula, which a lot of people know Tula is the ammunition company, but Tula was you know before they did ammo they did they did rifles it's a no there's two two tool factories there's a cartridge factory and there's those which is the weapons factory but two is one of the first ones to manufacture muskets and stuff back then introducing our new belly band holster whether you're hitting the gym or running a quick errand our belly band is one of the most comfortable and safest ways to carry your firearm the center section allows you to carry most common pistols. Left or right-handed, this has you covered. A hard laminate trigger shield protects the firearm's trigger from unwanted intrusion, giving you ease of mind while carrying every day. Two elastic sleeves give you the flexibility to carry other everyday items, such as spare mats, flashlight, knife, or pepper spray. Two zippered pockets run on both sides, offering the option to carry smaller items, such as money, cards, or keys. Flush fit on your lower back or waist, easily keeping your setup discreet no matter how you choose to carry. Utilizing 3D spacer mesh, these channels allow for exceptional and efficient airflow, giving you maximum comfort and keeping you cool. Carry whenever you want, how you want, with our new belly band holster. Available now. Go to missionfirsttactical.com. Use the code LEADHEAD for an exclusive listener-only 20% discount. But back to um, Radom. Um, oh, gosh, it flew out of, right out of my hand. But anyway, so it is considered, and I'm like rotating in the um, in the circles of collectors and whatnot and, and uh, you know, doing the research the AKMs that were produced in Poland 
right at the factory 11 were probably closest copy to original AK that was produced by Ishmash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I you know, when, when when we do the design work and uh, we 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 look at and compare both blueprints, Russian and Polish, they are identical. The Polish version of the of the Russian blueprints was basically the translation of the you know like comments for blackening, hardening, but you know dimension wise, everything is the same. So you know you can you can build uh, Russian AK based on the Polish blueprints and based on the Russian, and they will be the same. So that's another point that we need to put a pin in for our few, uh, a further discussion today, Marty. So that's not like VZ61 or Zastava who were modernized and different. Right. So uh, Polish AK was hardcore Russian AK. And even Romanians took some creative liberties. Romanian were a little bit different. I don't know about Arsenal, Bulgarians, but uh, I think well, Bulgarians... They never, Michael, they never build the AKMs. They build the AK-74s in Arsenal. Oh, okay. That's right. And I catch, right. a, and I catch right. a lot of fat flack when I talk about these guns because I, I consider ours because we do have the Russian license that we got, the blueprints to build our guns. I say that our gun is an AK where everybody else is a variant. And that is a true statement because all of these other companies made their AKs, it's a variant type. Whereas you pull the boat out of a Kalashnikov and the boat out of our gun, and it's the exact same dimensions. Yeah. And you can we, swap them. We've also yeah, caught yeah. some flack because we didn't want to go with the side rails to modernize the gun because we wanted to keep that original AK look with the rifle. But we've had to change some of that to modernize because we are a reactive company to the customers. To the customers. But, but well, we just make to, a just to give you, I'm sorry, I, I apologize, but on the rail, um, just to give you an idea and kind of traction behind what you did was the, the Soviets in the in the uh, late, uh, not, like mid-60s, producing AKMs with the side rails. Yeah, right, yeah, because they, they had the system NSP1, NSP2, NSP3, night vision, yeah. and uh, the, 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 the rail was meant for that. So basically the rail which we are putting right now on our AK, it's uh, taken from the Russian blueprints. So it was the same rail used on the for NSP1 and NSP2. All right, sorry. Let's be, let's go back. I kind of took the discussion okay. of wrong. No, that's great. You know how this show works. We chase squirrels. We go down whatever rabbit so hole we the, go down. The tumultuous '90s and all that stuff, and they kind of saw the disintegration of the Soviet system and Warsaw Pact, and then Poland uning, uh, joining the the European Union family, and then the NATO as a subsequence. So, what happened to the factory? The factory was, you know, final bankruptcy, uh, I believe, uh, in 1999 or 1998. That's why there was, you know, this uh, court-appointed judge liquidating the assets of the company. Uh, so, um, and how we, we were able to get some machines, get the blueprints, get the buildings. 
so the, the most the, in, the, 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 to interrupt real quick. Uh, yeah. The most important thing that we got from that factory, regardless of the the blueprints, the machinery, and everything else, Actually. was we got a lot of employees yeah, that had the skill set to true. build these guns the way that they had been built. That's the most important thing that we got there was because you can't buy that experience. You cannot buy the knowledge. Exactly. That's years of the of the of the of the expertise and the knowledge which you know anyone who will try to build AK from the scratch will have to learn years. So um, so along with the factory, you were able to get the the workers to return and come back and yeah yep yeah. bring that experience exactly exactly that, that was huge exactly so uh, basically we 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 are only one company who is in this former military complex in Radom who who produces produce the guns because the new established fabrica Broni. Uh, which does not produce a case. They have the barrel, which is the uh, 5.56 version of the AK, modernized AK, and they do the MSBS right now. They moved out from Radom on the out, outskirts of Radom. So, so um, we were only one who left in the, in the former military complex, complex. So this, this picture that I've got up now, is yeah. is that the factory there? Is that that's uh, that's old factory and the archer you have on the left side? That's uh, very initial and first logo of uh, Radon uh, Archer. And we were, lucky, we were lucky enough also to to buy from the court the, this Archer mark, which is on engraved on our guns right now. Is the is the archer still around? The big yes, yes, yes. It's still around. Belongs to City right now. Ah, so was it relocated? It's it's located across from our plant, but it's already on the on the property of the City of Radom. So okay, I don't remember seeing that big statue because I, I would have got a selfie. I would have got a selfie. <laughs> well, all the more reason for me to come back, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Uh. Keep talking. I'm gonna. I'm trying to get out of this. Here we go. Stop sharing screen. Uh, like I said, I'm needing that. The whole thing with the archer. I've I've done tons and tons of research on that, and um, there's not a lot really that that you could find on it, other than uh, I've went back and found a little bit of documentation and stuff, especially when the uh, the, the bastard king of Poland went to free Vienna. Uh, in Austria when they were being invaded by the Muslims. And it seemed like at, at that time period, uh, if a king needed 150 troops, he would get them from a company. And that's where we got infantry companies and stuff with that. And Rodham was known for archers and for the people that they're skilled archers that they had there. And there was a few references that they were known for that throughout Europe. And whenever a country wanted archers, to be able to fight for their kingdom, they would hire this company of archers that were trained in that were trained in Rodham. Supposedly the best in the world. I don't know if they had the longbows. That particular statue looked like he had the longbow, which made a difference in the world. Um, but from the research that I've been doing for about the past six years, there's not a lot. There's there's a ton of reference to the to the bastard king and and the defeating of the uh, the last invasion uh, of Europe. 
but as far as that actual statue itself, who's that young guy right there? Who's that? Who's that guy? <laughs> guy looks like he's out there pimping. Look at that. No, but I think you're. I think you're absolutely right on the the history of the archers. Polish Poland uh, archers were known for their skills, and uh, I don't know if they well, were great hunters or something with the with the archery. Is what made them so yeah, good? They were sought after. They were sought after all over Europe for their. I mean, they were the the, the companies of archer were very highly paid. I mean, yeah. there's references to them fighting for uh, King Richard the Lionheart when he went down to the Middle East. There's references where he talks about, you know, Rodham and his archers and stuff that he had with them. Yeah. So the pictures I've got up now uh, from when I was there, parts of the, the factory. Yeah, that that is the building we're using. The building you just showed before that is not is it's, not the it's building gone. we're using. It's gone already. <laughs> They're that not. Was, that was, that was, yeah, that one was abandoned. Obviously, I mean, it yeah, was abandoned. Not, it's, it's, it's part of it's part of the old uh, factory complex. Yeah. yeah, yeah, part of the complex. And then that that was the front entrance there, I guess, when we were coming out. That's uh, that's our foundry. Uh, yeah. And then the day we were there, there was a air show. You see the planes. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, there was some sort of air show going on there. Yeah, Michael had that arranged for you guys. <laughs> yeah, they did a flyover for us, just for us, <laughs> for you guys. Yeah, they don't usually do it for anybody. Uh, yeah. And then this piece. Of this, this could you hold it? You know, this this uh, water tower. It's next to our building. And one of my employees, the older guy who was actually doing the wooden stacks for us, uh, he was teaching the people how, you know, the process and so on. He was telling me, Michael, in 1945, there was two Germans in the machine gun in this tower and we were taking them down. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, is that tower, tower still there? His, tower has some history. <laughs> is it still there? Still there, yeah. Still there, yeah. Next to our plant, yeah. There's some more of the planes flying by. They were. It was like the. They were all bugging out. It was the end of the air show. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. Look at there. Who is this young guy? guys? Both young guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us in front of the sign. Uh, me and Michael. Of course, we're looking a little younger and what was i don't remember the history behind this this is, this is the first uh, semi-auto pps we converted and we shot in the shooting range and uh, this was the target from the first first pps semi-auto built in our factory oh that's like marco during the qualification <laughs> <laughs> that's your qual shot marco that's at uh, that's at 500 yards <laughs> yep absolutely yeah so these are just some some pictures that i shot while we were going around uh the factory there so um so when you guys came in you know the factory you were able to get the workers and um was there was there much things that you had to upgrade or or change was everything pretty much in in great working order you know, we, we uh, in the first years, we based on the old uh, machine machines and uh, on the experience of people. But, you know, since since we need to increase the production capacity, we, we slowly started to convert to the CNC uh, machines. And, uh, you know, the, the first step was to 
you know, you can you can machine metal on on regular lathe or manual mill, or you can do it on CNC machine. So we transfer the old process to the new fabrication process. Uh, that that time you were in the plant, you, we were already we already switched to the all of the CNC machines. Yeah, it's very modern. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, you know, instead fifteen thousand people, we had we had that time hundred fifty. So you know, uh, so CNC helps, of course. Uh, right now, we're at the stage of you. You haven't seen that, and you are welcome to come over and, and, and visit us again. You will see even the big difference right now. Uh, we're putting uh, robotic lines with the CNC machines. So. Um, you will see uh, robots working with most of the. Uh, oh, this is old, old school. This is what you see right now. On yeah, TV. this was this was very. That's, that's gone. <laughs> no more. Oh, you don't no have more. that anymore. No, no, no. The the green so, machines. We have we have still some presses. This is the press. I in the in the beginning I thought that this is the meal. This is the press. We still use the presses. Yes, we stamp. Yeah. We stamp on these machines. They have receivers. Yeah, I thought this was very yeah, interesting yeah. that um, yeah, 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 that they were doing we it because you know we have we have uh, we fabricate all of the parts inside. So we have the stamping process, casting process, uh, machining process, um, and, uh, and that's all of the processes which requires to build the AK. Yeah. So the finished product. So for our listening audience the ones that aren't watching the video uh we're just showing how they were doing yeah. the stamped receivers there which yeah. was very interesting and one of the things i don't know if you caught that or not is we make absolutely every single part we have a machine that makes our springs so we don't have an outside vendor so we don't have to worry about the quality of material that we get we control absolutely everything we do we make absolutely everything out of raw material so we're not buying anything from any other company that may have, you know, questionable manufacturing stuff, you know, and you've got complete control over every, every, everything, part. you know, yeah. to go up there in it. So if there's something there's, if there's a problem that's, that's there, it can be stopped before it ever gets put in a gun and it ever gets shipped to the United States or sent off to one of our military partners. Yeah. So what am I looking at here? So for our, our listening audience, I've got a diagram of, uh, an AK up here. That's that's the blueprints. That's the assembly line, and those are the blueprints of of uh, assembled uh, uh, firearms. So people, you know, if they need the reference, they can go to the blueprint and check the you know dimensions or so. So there for reference. Yeah, I thought those were very cool. I like to blueprints hanging on the wall in the assembly line. Very cool. So, and here's a picture of uh, assembly line, yeah, some finished uh, AKs, yeah. So it's just and remarkably, you know how how clean and meticulous, you know, everything was too. I really wasn't expecting. I've been to some American manufacturers, and they weren't anywhere near uh, sterile as sterile as as your factory was. And then when we got into the, I don't know if I've got that video up here or not. You guys do your, your magazines too. You make your magazines. Yeah, we do. We do magazines as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a big crate of the, the under folders. 
Now, are these people still working for you? You still have yeah, these? Yeah, they do. They do. Actually, this lady right now leads the one of the stack rooms. So she's still with us. You know, we 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 uh, we have people who works for us years and years. You know, I, you know. Of course, the the in the initial uh, years in going back to 2001. You know, most of those people already retired. I have men. I have only one guy who was who is still with the background of the old plant 11. But uh -huh. you know, we, we were able to train the new people based on these old um, empl employees. Uh, so they transfer the knowledge, skills. Yeah, and like an apprentice apprenticeship. Excuse me? I said they're kind of like an apprenticeship. You put the, yeah. the workers with the more experienced workers. and Yeah, exactly. Uh, this was this was a fun video to do here with all the the ammo there um there's one of our meals i think that was where i got my first tartar was during this meal okay there it is <laughs> that's it <laughs> right i mean that was so good that was so good there's dave yeah there's rob and what was this fellow's name cj uh, the young kid, I forgot his name. Can't yeah, I don't know. We can't see his face. He must not be around anymore. But anyway, <laughs> so stop sharing. So we're, the factory, you know, I wanted to show some pictures of the factory there. And um, you know, we're talking about the manufacturing process that you guys uh, kind of started off with. And, you know, I know there's there's something that we want to talk about. We want to really concentrate on, and you know, you guys were casting parts too. And I had a video of of you guys doing that there. I was trying to find that, uh, but talk about your move away from the cast trunnion. Uh, basically, you know, uh, casting it's uh, integrated process of the AK. Um, people, um, I don't know if people have the knowledge, but basically, there is like. Uh, 16 parts which are cast in the AK, uh, trigger group, uh, stack tank, uh, gas block, uh, rear set base. Those were cast, and th this is the Russian technology. This is not something what we invented. This is you know we we took over we took over uh, blueprints and we we basically built. Uh, uh, equipment to cast uh, these parts and we built our own casting house uh, where we produce these parts for the AK. Uh, you know, since Tronion was uh, really uh, hard part to machine in the beginning for us, we also um, started to cast this part uh, and uh, we were able to, you know, before we introduced the Castronian to the market, we did uh, numerous trials. Uh, uh, we, you know, first of all, uh, we have to distinguish casting house from, you know, every casting house is different. In our casting house, we control everything from the scratch. So that means we make our own steel alloy. Uh, so we were able to uh, to uh, get the steel alloy which was used for uh, Russian uh, was used by Russian to to produce the tronion from the from the 
forging. Yeah. So basically, we use the same material, and uh, uh, we did numerous trials to for to to test the casted tronions, and we know uh, that the strength required to the to destroy the casting tronion exceeds twenty five percent of the of the maximum uh, strength of the of the um, over over pressure bullet so we know that we're good and and you know we never had any failure with the casted tronium and we still we still give you know what lifetime warranty to all of the guns on the market which has casted tronium but you know since since uh, there was so many questions asked around uh, why cast and is my gas gun cast or or forged you know we decided to to move to the forged tronion especially since we do produce uh, 556 by 45 caliber which is a lot stronger load we we need to introduce the forged tronion uh, and um, we gained the experience of machining the tronion and and then you know last year uh, you know our all military production was based on the on the 556 was based on the on the uh, forged tronium and since there was so much misunderstanding what cast was what if the casting is good or bad do i have cast or do i have forged i said you know let's switch to the forge all aboard all you know and and starting 2023 yeah 2023 we had some in 2022 that were starting out that we were working on uh, but we switched over completely in 2023 the casting process to explain that in in layman terms is basically the the cast that you get is off the quality of the material that you do in it and the process and the process because anybody can take a casting that's the same thing for forging People that do forgings and stuff, it depends on the type of material and stuff that you start off with. That's why we control the process that we do it um, to go through it. We heat everything up the same, you know, 5,000 degrees before we our molds and our pores uh, to make sure we get rid of bubbles and stuff. And then one thing Michael left out is we x-ray every single piece that comes out of there. 100% parts. You know, and, and I'm yeah. sure you've seen the machine while you were there, Marty, and, and That's I've it. seen the That's machine. The machine. Yeah. So we x-ray every single part, not just the trunnions, to make sure anything that is cast, we x-ray that. But because the the clients, um, you know, the the clients scream that forging's better, forging's better, and we are a reactive company, and we we look out for what our customers are looking for, we switched over to completely forge to get rid of some of the misnomers and stuff with it. Nothing wrong with the castings. Uh, We still stand behind that product and everything else. It's just the forgings is what we needed Mm -hmm. to switch over to. Just to let you know, in uh, 762 by 39 caliber, we have thousands of guns with the Castronion in the military use. No single recall. There's a lot of companies um, that have, you know, whether they're gun shops or they're a big machine gun place out west or something like that, have bought our cast guns and have modified them into full auto. Um, and they did that checking with us to find out that if we would cover the warranty on those guns, if they were using them on the ranges. And we said, absolutely, because it's an easy test for us to find out how well that the guns are doing. So there are many a machine gun on ranges right now that are cast, that are ours, that have thousands of rounds thrown. You, uh, I believe yourself, uh, one of the last events that we had down here, 
we had Pioneer machine guns out there on it. I have one cast gun with 75,000 rounds on it, another one with an unknown over 60,000 rounds, and we've replaced an extractor or a recoil springs, but they're they're still just pumping rounds downrange. Yeah. yeah, the gun which Misha tested or actually tortured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also has the cast on you. Yeah, we've we've uh, you know there's a, a Mishan which is the uh, the blind Russian with Fox that does a lot of videos and stuff, and he has one of our cast guns in his video that he abused for nine months and uh, basically said it couldn't be broken. But we switched over to Ford just to just to you know. Just to ease everybody's mind and to make it exactly. easier on what product they were actually buying. Yeah, just make everything uniform. Um, uniform, exactly. This is cast. The one I have right here is cast, and I've not had any issues with it. And I took it out yesterday. I was shooting it suppressed. Um, this is Marco, I believe. Has, and, yeah, uh, I believe Marco has some that he runs in his classes that are cast. This is it right here. Thousands, thousands of rounds. So that's that's one right there, Marco. Okay. Yeah. yeah so and for for those who don't know, Marco also does training. Uh, he trains people, and uh, we're still working on that Marco experience. We're putting the final touches on that for you leadheads. I know we mentioned that uh, a couple of episodes back, and the, the the finale last year, the AK versus the AR. What an epic episode that was, Marco. Did you lose your earpiece? As soon as I was required to say something, my earpiece flew out. Leave it to Mark. Your timing is impeccable. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so anybody had any questions about the casting versus the forging? You know that that should clear up any issues you have. And if you still have questions or comments about that, you can email me talking at gmail .com. I'll forward it on to the guys. But you can get in touch with them directly. Um, they've got a website. You go to pioneerarmsusa.com, I believe it is. No, us.com. Just us, pioneer. Pioneerarmsus.com, and we carry almost everything for an AK on the website, but barrels and receivers. So if you need an AK part, uh, we carry that. We carry all kinds of furniture, plus we have a bunch of adapters and some other unique parts that we've just made ourselves there for the website. And then we have, uh, you know, we have some, some guns that uh, – you know, that may have got wet when they come over here and have a little blem on the finish or something like that. And we have some actual guns on there, you know, that are blem guns that people can, uh, can check on. Attention business owners. Are you ready to take your marketing game to the next level? Look no further than Black Tie Digital Marketing, the firearm-friendly, full-service agency that delivers results. We've worked with industry giants like kel Spikes Tactical, and Armalite, and we even designed the kick-ass new logo at Talkin' Lead. At Black Tie, we blend creativity and data-driven strategies to ensure your message hits the mark every time. From high-end custom websites, graphic design, to inbound marketing campaigns, and everything in between, we've got you covered. Your success is our priority. Join the ranks of the industry's top players and give your business the boost it deserves. Experience the power of Black Tie today. Visit blacktiedigital.com or call one 800 316-8030 to schedule your free consultation. That's Black Tie Digital Marketing, where firepower meets marketing power. Black Tie Digital Marketing is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Lead Head Brigade. Yeah. The, and, the, yeah, go ahead, Marco. 
the beauty of a basic uh, Pioneer Arms AK, and we we talked earlier today about uh, how closely it's built to original spec, and it's been being it's been built uh, at that place for a long, long time, right? For over fifty years, and uh, the expertise, the people who lived in the Rodham and worked at the factories, they brought in that expertise back in. So basic um product that you're going to get out of uh, pioneer arms is a solid akm platform then you can at your own leisure and time turn it into you know add any kind of accessories that's available on the uh you know open market like such as like midwest Industries alpha line which is this handguard right here is and so on and so on you can modify it any way you want any way you uh feel it fit so to speak to fit your uh, modularity yeah marco Just add modularity. That available modularity which is available on the, on the regular commercial market and it fits on any kind of even if it's blemished per se right <laughs> so you save a little bit of money on the finish but the fit by all means functionality of a of a standard uh, Pioneer Arms AK is um, all guns that we sell on there that have uh, that were blems have been repaired. We just won't sell a gun that had an issue that we had to do a repair on, whether it's a a, a reblacking a spot or cover some you know and, and coming up some shiny stuff. We just won't sell that gun out as a new gun. Out you know we sell it as a blemish and we do a repair on it. So. You may not even be able to tell that there was ever a mark on it, but I know there's a mark on it. Um, you know, you and Marty both know me and, and how I am at this industry and how I'm a perfectionist on, I want stuff to go out with my name on it. And I want these guns that my name is backing up on it for Pioneer Arms. I want everybody to be assured that it's something I approved before it ever got sent out. Yeah, and if you really want to get a great deal, Blim's the way to go. I mean, the first the first trip you take to a range, you brand new out of box anything AR, may it be a three thousand dollar AR or or five hundred dollar whatever, will be blemished. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. basic yeah. functionality. That's where you go in and you praise the basic functionality out of the box. The gun functions. You pull the trigger, it goes bang. It, it cycles well it performs well and so on and so on and uh, for that i can vouch for for pioneer i don't know about you but when i see somebody that's got like a pristine gun at the range i, I think you know princess <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, but i got a new cool. pair of shoes i would take them out and i would scuff them up and rub dirt on them before i would wear them out because it's like those jeans back in the 60s or whatever people would will wash them and rub them with some kind of things on them to make them look worn. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want they didn't want them to look brand new. Yeah. Right, but uh, anyway, wrong. but uh, as far as the uh, quality, overall fitment and functionality of a gun is um, is impeccable. I I mean, not not a single, uh, numerous classes, numerous numerous rapid fire exercises, and so on and so on. Not yeah. not as much as even uh, misfeed. And the funny thing is, out of the, you know, usually the misfits and the stove pipes and failure to extract or failure to feed rather double feed, it all boils down to uh, the quality of a magazine. 
and the magazines that come with this guns uh good to go i guess that's the and for you source. if you guys that remember tapco and the tapco magazines and stuff with that um our magazines are 922r compliant they are made here in the u.s they're made with our mode but they're being uh, the injection mode in facility of course it's a it's a huge place that does it for us but the same individual that's doing our injection mode and made the tapco magazines so we are and we go through quality control and we go testing with every batch that we've had. And we're really happy with what they're doing here. And once again, that's a compliant part. So our magazines are U.S. made. Are they ever going to do, do away with the 922R compliance BS? Well, they're not. The 922R has nothing to do as far as really firearms manufacturing. The 922R is a commerce regulation that was that the ATF enforces because foreign companies were able to build guns cheaper than cheaper. US companies. So the US Department of Congress after Commerce after multiple complaints decided that they would start this 922R regulation so that it would require foreign companies to be able to have X number of parts inside of their firearms so that the US companies would be able to compete. So to answer your question, no, they will probably increase more. And at this point, since it's created its own cottage industry and employing thousands of people, it would be, uh, if not tens of thousands of people, it would be silly to uh, do away with it. Yeah. I disagree. And, Whatever. And true to, and true to form, um, you can't get a direct answer from the ATF on uh, anything in writing on that. So... You can't get send direct anything from them and anything in writing. Or yes, yes. That's the ATF. So, true to form. Nothing in writing. Do what we do. What we told you. We thought we said. Should be the uh, <laughs> NIW is what they should change their name to. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing in writing. We'll put the CJ. We'll put. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, anything else since? Um, last time I was there 2018 that you've, that you've changed with the production of the, the AK you've got the doing the forge first in the cast trunnions. Now anything else we've, we've upgraded on. I mean, we have our enhanced safeties that we have at, and we have a ton of accessories. Uh, I think, I think the guns that all of you guys have the enhanced safety to go up on it. We sell those on the website too. Um, but we have a lot of, of new models that we've made since you've been there. We have a lot of changes that we've done to the guns to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, it's got the little lever to go up on. I mean, we've got some other really cool stuff that we're working on, accessories. Um, we will have our new website produced before long, and you'll be able to go to it. It'll be much more uh, customer-friendly, and you'll be able to go there and basically uh, buy the parts to get you a 99% AK minus the receiver. Um, on that website. So we're, we're working toward that. What you're holding there is one of our new Grom guns. And basically what we did is we took our help ups and we made our help ups either into underfolders or into uh, actual stocks. And we did that by replacing the rear trunnion that was a, a solid rear trunnion and replaced it with an actual stock, stock tank on it. And then we took our barrel and we put a faux presser on the end of it and pinned and welded it so we would be the actual uh, link that we have. We're the only company doing this right now. Other companies are trying to kick around that ideal, but their guns are thousands of dollars more than our gun. 
That's actually got the Grom logo on it. It comes with a Grom patch that glows in the dark for you guys that like to do that. And basically that gun is dedicated to the Polish Special Forces, which is the Grom. And we have uh, an exact replica of their patch uh, with a couple of small changes so we don't get copyrighted on it. But it glows in the dark. And the only way you can get that patch is to, uh, is to buy that Grom. And those Groms are exclusively at Classic Firearms and Atlantic Firearms. And that should tell you something there. If Atlantic Firearms is carrying our rifles, then they're good rifles because Blaine and Atlantic Firearms only carry the best in the business, and he carries our firearms. We also have some 22s and stuff we came out. The 22 is the actual size of an AK. The barrel, uh, the barrel diameter inside has changed. Um, the boat on it is changed. And, of course, the magazine and the recoil system because it's a blowback. It's not a recoil system on it. And then and, the, and boat carry. And the, and the boat carry, right, the, that system there. And the uh, trigger the trigger spring on it's a little bit different because it's lighter. lighter. Yeah. Um, but uh, dust covers from dust covers to furniture to muzzle brake to safety to the Everything actual keeps, triggers yeah. is one-to-one RAK, which is one-to-one a Kalishnikov. So you can swap it out with anything. You can't tell the difference. Could you tell the difference when you open the box, Marty, if that was a real AK or a 22? No, not at all. No. The only polymer that you'll get on that 22 Picked is if it you up. order no, if, you order, if you order the polymer version, you'll get a polymer gun, but that is the only difference and the only polymer on the gun. If you order the wood AK-22, which, by the way, the price is very similar to the polymer one, if you order it, um, it looks just like an AK, and there's no polymer on the gun, period. The, the handguards, the grip, the stock, it's all made out of wood, the same pressed laminate wood that was used on the original AKs. We don't put Bakelite on it because it, the, the process of making Bakelite, nobody does it because of how expensive it was and how bad for the environment. But it is a one-to-one -one trainer gun. So if you're on a budget to go out and you want to shoot your AK a lot, other than having a 30-round a magazine, you have your 25-round magazine, and you can go out and rip out for a quarter of the price of shooting the other ones and you know get the same fill. You just don't have the recoil off of it. Um, one of the other things that we've done also is, at, in particular at Atlantic Firearms, if you live in one of these states that are not friendly uh, to firearms, you can get this 22 rifle in that configuration uh, where the, the muzzle brake on, on it is tap welded and that the magazine only holds 10 rounds because we have those and that's an Atlantic Firearms uh, item that you can get there with that. So, you know, we, we, we're reactive to the customer. Uh, we, we listen to what the customer wants and we, we get the products out there with it. it. This is a this is a firearm to save you money, to save training. And it's it's good for the family. The whole family can go out and enjoy it. It's good for your initial shooters that want to get into AK or your wife or or go out and do your family shooting and stuff with it. Or for you wives that have your uh, skinny jeans, skinny jeans, ponytail latte drinking husbands. It's a good gun for you to buy for them to shoot and not not be uh, get hurt on the range. So it's, it's a very good range, uh, rifle for the range for the family. Uh, we, we also have a Picatinny rail um, that we put on top, replacing the rear sight. Now, there's a lot of options that do the dust cover and stuff that people have tried. Um, this is actual a military rail, that, uh, Picatinny rail, that we put on our military rifles with our military partners uh, for them to be able to hold their zero and stuff. And, you know, for everybody who talks about AKs, oh, well, there's AKs and, and that, well, we also make, five five six AKs and according to firearms news it's one of the most accurate five five six barrels on the market and that's on anything and it's set up on an AK. 
on the 22s is super accurate and this rail fits right on top of all those models and it comes with a nice little uh pistol grip that when you take off your rear sight the pistol grip has a storage block that you put your rear sight in and if you're getting the rail system with the collapsible rear stock that we have here if you're getting that this has a nice tube in the back of it that you can put your rail in when you go back to your rear sight so you know we're, we're thinking about the customer and one of the one of the big things that we're we're talking about and i'm trying to get this cam woo, camera woo, uh, trying to get this stuff figured out for the camera but we are we are reactive to the customer and we're trying to get accessories and stuff out to the customer if you'll notice it's for an actual stock tank and it's a very thick tube that's on here this isn't your your regular tube this is a very thick tube that's on here it's not like the ars that uh, you would try to butt stroke something with an Iraq and the, the stock would break off. But this is a solid military grade uh, tube for it. And like I said, it has the storage compartment to be able to put the top rail in uh, when it's not in use and the stock goes over and holds it in place. So is it is it polymer or aluminum? No, it's aluminum. Aluminum. Wow. Okay. Did you yeah. hear that? Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. In there? It aluminum. yeah, it's aluminum. It's thick. It also has the ambidextrous uh, sling adapter on the back of it. And like I said, it's. And this part here is solid. So it's not that thin part that just bolts onto the back of the gun. This actually bolts into the stock tank. So it actually goes inside of the stock tank. It goes in place, it bolts on, it's solid. Uh, you can give a, a, a let's say a, a, a trash can that's in your way, you can give it a good butt stroke and it'll roll that trash can out of the way and you won't harm your home. Your, is that a, a 922R part? It is not a 922R part. Okay. Um, the parts that we use for uh, compliance and stuff is the trigger group, the muzzle brake, and the magazine. So that allows us to be able to have our complete wooden furniture set from Poland. It allows us to have our, our rail set that we have up with our collapsible stock and everything for the customer to be able to have a great value of a gun um, that he has. And our magazines are, our magazines are very, very inexpensive. And uh, the hit up on that, we get a questions a lot of times of people be like, oh, I have this I have this magazine that was made by a third company in Korea and it, it doesn't want to fit my rifle. Um, what can we do about that? And the answer is that this magazine that we make, the diameters of, and everything on it and our test block is the exact same diameter off of the license for the Klishnikov. So we make sure it fits our magazines. Then we have a couple of popular magazines that we do a little extra milling on to make sure that they fit correctly. Um, we do that to a uh, Yugoslavian steel magazine and a PMAG is what we do that to. We don't open our magazine well up to TAPCO. We don't open our magazine well up to South Korea. And the reason why is because you get the waving of the magazine to go in it. And if you keep this gun for a long time and it's got the waving of that uh, magwell when you're going there, it's going to start to give you problems as far as feeding. It's going to make noise whenever you're moving for your whatever type of predator or varmint that you want to go after. And it's going to, that's going to cause the part of the gun to fail more than anything else. So we do it according to the license, um, the drawings and stuff that we have for the actual Kalishnikov magazine. So if you have an Ishmash or a Tula magazine, that was originally done. It fits inside of our gun, just like a glove with no rattling, nice and easy. Well, I've tried this in uh, other brand AKs and it fits in all of them. Yeah, our magazines our magazines fit other guns and our 5.56 magazine fits other guns. 
um, because their magazines or wells are open up, uh, you know, to, to be able to be this variant of an AK. We're not a variant. We're, we're built off the exact way a Kalishnikov was. So we're an AK. Well, I, I got a, I got a true story that happened two classes ago. One guy showed up with the milled receiver, I think Sentry C39 Centurion gun, whatever. And he literally, he brought in four magazines with him, which were all different. All three mags were different. And there was, uh, you know, one of those shiny painted Korean one, then something else, something else. Something, I couldn't even tell what the, those were. And that, uh, so we went to our practical um, portion of the class on the range. And he starts having all kinds of freaking feeding problems and stuff. So I wind up giving him the... Uh, this this magazines that came with the pioneer arms uh guns so i gave them the you know the the lander guns magazines and he had uh, ran the entire class without uh, a single issue hmm. but you know we, we we spent a ton of time as far as quality control um and you got to hand it to michael uh, a prime example as the 22 rifle that we did was done almost three years ago uh, and we were going through the process of trying to get uh, a magazine that was reliable to be able to work. And we had a couple of projects, and, and for you guys in the manufacturing building, when you go to make a mode, it's thousands of dollars to make a mode. We thought we had a couple of good ideals to be able to do it, and we went out and we invested uh, a lot of money in modes, and it, it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. So we had to go back to the drawing board to get these magazines done. Um, and, and they're really good. And that's why we released the rifle at that particular time was to get the magazines out there with it. And if, if you'll notice our 10 round magazines that you have look exactly like our 25 round magazines, because instead of putting screws or bolts or anything else in it, we actually ordered a mode and had a mode made and we mowed another follower. Okay. This is a, this is a 25 rounder. Yeah, that's a 25-rounder, and you can't tell the difference between that and a 10-rounder uh, until you start loading rounds on it. Yeah, They look identical. I took it out yesterday uh, to the farm, and I don't know. I probably shot four or 500 rounds through it, and uh, it's fun. It's really fun. So what, uh, what prompted you to do the 22? Was it a military request or what? Yeah, well, it – both yeah it's kind of a, there's a there's a spot in the military to for it to be done for the train good for the training because a lot of these countries are starting off with females and and we don't have a gun culture anymore and uh, it's the same way of a lot of countries so for them to be able to learn how to do it and get the fundamentals of marksmanship they need to start off with something that's not going to rattle their teeth and the 22 is that and it's a it's a great gun uh to be here in the states uh, just for that purpose, for you know, for the, uh, the younger generation and the new shooters to be able to get comfortable firing before they step up, because you have all the exact same muscle memory. Um, but unlike the uh, the ARs that are out on the market that are in 22, that are all polymer, and some of the other companies that made an attempt to do that with a barrel insert or a polymer rifle or something like that, we made a real AK. So people are wondering about the price that this it's has. It's a real AK. Yeah. It's an AK. It's a real one. It's the it's the exact same procedure it takes to make our regular 
762 or 556 gun, except we have to spend a little bit more time on it. And in case you didn't know, Marty, you have probably one of the first 10 in production 22s. Oh, wow. That's probably, that's probably one of the first 10. Take that, Marco. I got something you don't. Mine is I think Marco got this Mine's got you. the wood. <laughs> oh, you got the wood. Just like me when I look at it. <laughs> you got the wood. <laughs> Well, I got wood shooting it yesterday. It was it was a treat to shoot, and you've got the the uh, upgraded safety switch on this one too, um, which I did order some of those from you a while back, and I switched all my my safeties on all my AKs to this. So I really like it. It's got the uh, extended, so you can use your index finger instead of having to come off and and hit the thumb. I really like that. It's got the bolt hold slot. An interesting, uh, interesting fact about that design on the safety there. Uh, David Fortier years ago come up with that idea of having it there, and uh, we had a we had a uh, an associate um, that I think we all know that we'll, we'll leave unnamed uh, that travels back and forth to Russia all the time, and it's not Marco. And oddly enough, the uh, Russian gun started coming out with that safety on the side of it. And then uh, Mark's, Mark Krebs started producing it in the U.S., but that's an original David Fortier design. I was with him at the range uh, during, during Big Three. I think yeah. um, that, that we, we had already had some proof of concepts out there before the uh, Russians started using it and then uh, everyone else. Yeah. Marco, take Sorry, a phone call inside here. Come on. Quit cheating, Marco. <laughs> oh, David um, – He's he's got a lot of great ideas, and uh, I bet he's not getting any royalties from that either, is he? Nobody's getting any royalties from that. <laughs> no, just like everything, just like everything else in the gun business. Somebody it's, makes yeah, something, it's an equal and opportunity. Yeah, it's a equal opportunity, no royalties. Yeah, equal equal opportunity theft, IP theft. <laughs> it's like we used to say in the army. Good though. idea. If you have a good idea, you just simply uh, share it from the uh, goodness of your heart, I guess. Or at just least like I want to believe that. Yeah. In the Army, there you got SOPs, and there's every, every unit has an SOP, uh, but there was only one SOP, and then everybody plagiarized it and passed it around, but there was only one original one. There's only one original, and everybody copied it. Yeah, and everybody just copied it and then changed their name on it. Instead of it being an airplane refueling, it turned into a tank. But yeah, that's that's how it was. Tough so, industry. Talk talk about some of the SOTs and stuff. Does this thing work? What what are you holding up? Tell tell real you're holding up there, Mark. Uh, the uh, CJ would know. Move oh. it closer to the camera. There you go. Uh oh. Uh oh, we lost them. You it's offended them. It's a nate protector for for your helmet. Oh, it goes on the back. Mm. I got you. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to protect from, but <clears throat> so we lost connection there. Or we're going to let them get reconnected. Hopefully they'll come back. Um, let me kick them out. Maybe that'll re restart it. See if they come back. Florida connection. Maybe they got a hurricane going on down there. You know, have this those pop up hurricanes happen there all the time, Marco. Well, maybe NSA listeners were hit enough. I'm um, telling you, uh, Marty, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, I've been around this game for a long time, right? Yeah. Uh, the AKs and everything. And of course, I'm 
I went for from uh, the purists, the collector, the the don't put all that shit on my AK type of guy to um, you know. Okay, yeah, let's complete one eighty on that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, let's do it modern. No, you can leave your you know the collector's items and whatever, and take them out every now and then to impress someone. But uh, then uh, then you have your working guns, the guns that you well. In my case, I I teach and you know teach the courses and stuff and uh so as far as like the basic solid akm which is majority of the ak's now in the marketplace right it's an akm model the this pioneer arms is is one of the a few if not the only uh a treasure that we still possess that we can tap into and yeah. uh, buy a solid good working gun and then if you want to accessorize it all of the accessories in the marketplace will will fit on this gun and then well work. this is this is you know they've got the exact specs that the akm the kalashnikov was was built off of and he has the original blueprints there. yeah yeah and they you know they had permission they you know they bought bought the rights to that and they're well, still that, using those and that's know, how they're producing their ak's today and I mean, you're yeah, not going to get a better quality AK, uh, especially for the price that, yeah, that's yeah, coming in yeah, with these I things. Agree. And when we get them back, we're going to have them talk about that. Um, but I think it'd be a good time for us to go to listener questions as soon as they get back. And uh, we'll start fielding some of these listener questions. And we're going to do what we're famous for here on the AK Corner. And uh, we're going to give shit away. Well, that's great. But we remember how I was telling you when Michael, during Michael's um presentation when he the historical part and i told you to put a pin in certain things right yeah and uh, basically what i was gonna do is this we would uh, maybe touch on the, some of the stuff that's available in the marketplace right and uh, although we're not going to name names i don't believe into uh, trashing anyone or or no we're not going to do that and but the the fact remains that um pioneer arms in one form or the other been building these things since the 50s since although there, there might have been a period of maybe uh six seven eight years where the factory was in complete decline yeah. due to a lack of military orders or whatnot but uh the expertise the documentation the uh, blueprints the whole uh, uh the manufacturing processes all of that remains intact and was revived in time by Michael after he uh, bought the factory. And uh, so as opposed to someone who started making them five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, what's, or even, what's or the even source of the parts? 15 yeah. years ago, you know. Or even, well. They've been doing it since, you know, the late 50s. Yeah. Uh, and the source of parts is also questionable. You know, when we go to... Uh, when we touched on the trunions and stuff, I mean, there's a cast trunion and there's a cast trunion. You know, there's a quality casting that you can do and it would hold up and the military gun would select fire or whatever. And there's a casting that you do at the local foundry that uh, casts, I don't know, fishing reels or some shit. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, that all got into a conversation I was having with some people. I went to Big Rock this past weekend here in Nashville. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the cast and versus the, the forged. And 
you know, it's like nobody really knows why Cass got a bad name. It had to have been somebody, you know, some writer got a hold of a bad AK one time and they blamed it on the, you know, the cast. And they got, you know, it, it happens. Sometimes you get a bad cast from from some. some yeah, you don't. In, you get even if you, yeah, even if you have a, uh, you you have installed and implemented the uh, quality casting into your production. Yeah. But if you don't X-ray it, so you're bound to get one or two that's got a massive freaking. Yeah, it happened. It wasn't like there was a mass outbreak in right. these cast trunnions that were having. And then not, not just, necessarily about the article. It could be just through the forums. That's where the most yeah, of the, forums, the most of the whiners web. actually exist. Not to say that the forum members, every one of them is a whiner. No, by any means. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, saying that, that the whiners, the the that guy, the guy that whines all the time on the internet, just yeah. because his gun is the precious thing that he he bought and stuff and that's the best one there is and that he spent like uh you know sleepless nights to to save the money to buy the gun then all of a sudden there's some problem with it and right. it's of course it's the the worldwide freaking problem so you always deal with those guys in the forums yeah and sometimes they mislead mislead the actually honest guys who are trying to learn about the weapon or about the gun hey so it's saying that you need to turn on your camera your mic Oh, the CJ is trying to get on? Yeah. Hey, do me a favor and get a rag or something and wipe your camera off because somebody you got a finger smudge or something on it. I'm sure. But uh Marco and I were just kind of going and talking a little bit about, you know, how how casting got a bad name uh unjustly. Yeah, like I was saying, uh I was saying uh there's a casting and there's a casting. You it's know, a right and then uh another thing that we mentioned is like it, you might implement some kind of quality casting process into your manufacturing but if you don't have uh quality control like x-ray for example which is crucial in casting and you bound to make a few that would actually be substandard and and it just through the confluence of uh, stars lining up in the in the sky that the whiner on the forum would get that particular gun. I don't, know, some... I don't know if you saw this when you were there or not, Marty, but did you see the, the barrel, uh, the baskets of nickel and the baskets of carbon and stuff? Yeah. You know, that's, that's all because most of the, you know, a lot of people just do a casting with whatever the material they'll get. And they'll be like, this is what we've got. We actually check the hardness and the material makeup you know, to find out how much nickel that we add need to add or how much carbon that we need to add before the products ever casting to get our desired result. You know, so that's that's something we do that a lot of manufacturers don't do. You know, a, a lot of the a lot of the Chinese stuff, I'm not going to say the, you know, the 56 was that way, but a lot of Chinese stuff that comes out of here is just melted metal. I'm not even going to say steel. It's melted metal that was casting to be that way. You know, and there's there's a company that had bulge forged trunnions not too long ago on the market here in the U.S. within the past two years that the forged bulge trunnions were failing because of the materials that that was done. with. Yeah, yes, there is lots of lots of um, it's the process is the heat treatment control everything, you know, that, you know, our casting house is the new 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 uh, enterprise. We built it uh, in 2012. And uh, basically, uh, 
uh, we were using the um, other casting houses and, and were very unsatisfied with the quality as well, uh, the productivity. So, you know, when, when we decided to build our own casting house, we hired people from England and England is the motherhood of casting houses. And actually the guy who set up our plant and, uh, and the technology is the guy who worked with the casting houses for the Royce Royce aircraft engines. So, you know, nice. we, 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 what you say, how you said you, you drink the, with the mother's milk. So yeah. we, <laughs> we got the right stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We from, went to from the, the from the beginning, so we we didn't fool around. We didn't, you know. There's lots of so-called casting houses who does terrible jobs. They're, yeah. you know, let's let's put it this way: uh, gas blocks. They were always casted, uh, even in the AK uh, technology in 1970s. You get some uh, gas blocks from China or Taiwan; they will blow up. Because you know it's they they will, they will not withhold the pressure. Allegedly, allegedly, we don't actually have visual proof, but yeah, that's you that's, get, what, that's what we have. You know, you, you, there's a lot of damage and stuff that comes from that. That that does make that. So there is an inherent um, thing out there as far as casting goes. But it all goes off the procedure and stuff the way that it's done. If we didn't cast our, if we didn't X-ray our parts, we would never know if there was a, that there was a bubble. Or a crack. In. We will never put on the gun. You know, we will never decide. To. In, in, but a lot of companies don't have that. They either right. one uh, buy ninety percent of their products from companies overseas, or two, they have old stock of guns that they've cut out. And by the way, for new companies going out there, if you have a company that manufactures guns and they have a bunch of old stock parts, those old stock parts didn't meet specs, so they wouldn't use them themselves. Recalled. So. You have to look at that side of the aspect on it. So, I mean, it, it, a lot of it goes into play to get a good manufacturing gun out there, quality control. Yeah. Uh, Pioneer has a very in-depth quality control of everything that's manufactured. And then once the guns get to the States and our 922R process, one of the things that we do is we have four QAQC steps before it ever leaves us. So we spend a, a lot of amount of time to make sure that these guns leave and that they're proper and we stand behind them. Um, we had somebody that said, I'll buy one of those guns when the owner of the company shoots 5,000 rounds through it. Well, there's videos online where I've shot 8,000 rounds through that same gun, shot it enough that the barrel um, got so hot that the actual front grips caught on fire. And then I threw it in a ditch of water. I picked it back up and I continued shooting it. And uh, the I bet gun Marco's got more than 8,000 through his. Huh? Oh, yeah. No, I have. This is just the one gun that we did on video. Yeah. Uh, a 5,000 round test, you know, just one round. Back, after back, back. I got you. And we were able to do that because I have several employees here that could fire the gun and we had welding gloves. So yeah. And the gun didn't <laughs> get it in shifts. Right. No. <laughs> so uh, what I want to do is I want to get to listener questions, but before we do that, you know, Marco earlier was saying, let's put a pin in that. So Marco, where we put our pin, pick up on that while I'm pulling up the listener questions here, because we got right, so stuff to give away. Uh, so, uh, real quick, uh, I just want to go back to Michael's presentation when I was asking him questions about the history when uh, when uh, the Factory 11 started to build this, the AKs. And um, 
you know, so basically what I'm trying to say is what, I mean, there are several manufacturers in the U.S. that make AKs, and I'm not going to name any particular names or anything, and I don't believe into trashing trashing anyone. But uh, just the sheer fact that Factory 11 was building the AK since uh, mid to late uh, 50s mm -hmm. into a modern era. Then there was a you know, period of decline just about everywhere in Eastern Europe that was in Russia too. Uh, the factory had to shut down and there was a period maybe what, eight years or something before Michael, uh, you guys uh, resurrected it and you renewed this production or resurrected the production. So what I'm saying is not only that it was um, uh, the the rifles were being built from, from the get-go, they were built from the original blueprints, but also all the expertise, the people, that those 20,000 employees that over the years shrunk to something, I would assume, but still remained in the areas and they were able to get hired and their expertise could be pulled back into uh, reestablishing the new production. Uh, just those facts tell you that what you hold in your hand when you buy a, a Pioneer Arms AK is the closest thing to the, the original. You actually buy the AKM, but also the quality of it, it, which is the part of manufacturing processes, right, is also present in it. Inherent quality, which you know you can put it like like we were saying earlier you can put the lipstick on the pig it's still a pig so you can put uh, some other manufacturers might put some kind of fancy handguard on it or uh, some kind of stock or whatever but fact remains what what actually makes the gun work right uh, that, that actually fires the round and cycles it and so on and so on uh, cannot be if there's no quality built into it it cannot be uh, covered by some fancy accessory, is what I'm saying. So buying the Pioneer Arms um, AKM, that's what it is, that's I'm just going to call it, is probably the best proposition in the U.S. market at this point for the AK lovers and uh, alike. And uh, it's a solid gun that, would, uh, that you can rely on. And, and the uh, the way it priced is uh, it makes it the people's gun, you know. That's all I wanted to say when I put when I said when I, let's put the pin in that and then return to it. That's all I wanted to say. Very well said. Thank you. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> you know we were talking about that as far as the the quality that you're getting in the Pioneer Arms rifle. Versus the price point. I mean, it's it's ridiculous because anything else with that quality that these things are coming to the market with are, you know, 40% more or or even double the price of what, what you guys are charging on these things. So uh, the, the fact that you're able to bring them to the market for such a reasonable price, because over the last few years, we've seen the AK just skyrocket in, in price. Yeah. You know, sorry to interrupt, you know, <clears throat> but, you know, we were able to keep the moderate price or lower price on our product because we control the complete production. We produce everything in-house, so we don't have any vendors who dictate us the prices. We were 
also because we have all of all process production process in house, including all of the parts, we were able to survive COVID uh, and all of the crises which were caused by COVID, as well the uh, economic uh, problems with the with the current situation. So um, you know we. Having the production in-house allow us to keep the low price and get good quality for the money. Very good. Well, I mean, just need to clarify it for the listeners. Okay. Is that obviously there are people like uh, Jim Fuller that can make, um, I don't even, I guess it equates to a masterpiece, right? So it would be, but you, you pay for that. You know what I mean? Uh, Krebs can build a gun that is freaking just unbelievable when you hold it and stuff. But again, you got to pay for it. I mean, three, four times what you can take one off the shelf. And then, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, just getting into the AK, for, for example, for someone as a first rifle, this is the greatest option amongst the others out there that that in that price range and and if you take the price as a constant you know the the quality is not even comparable to uh you cannot compare it to what's out there well what what we've got is is we have our mako or were or our snap-on tool um that we're selling basically for harbor freight prices yeah um, so we're selling the, the best AK that you can buy for any price as far as buildability, reliable, and warranty. Uh, we have the best one on the market at any price. Um, and I've, I've talked to many of naysayers that have been in their basement talking about how great their five or $6,000 rifle is. And I've offered, you know, challenges for to put my basic rifle up against their rifle in shoot-offs. And uh, nobody's ever been able to do it. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a good rifle for what it's built for. And one of the main differences that we have versus a lot of other companies that are producing firearms, uh, especially ones here in the U.S., is that our firearm, other than a few changes, is a military firearm. We are a defense contractor in Poland, and the majority of our guns that are made are going out to military countries. So we change, of course, the bayonet lug, the select fire, um, a little bit of difference on the boat and the sear and with the trigger. But other than that, as far as all the hardware, the trunnion, the barrel, um, you know, the, uh, the boat itself, as far as it being forged, our uh, boat guide, our gas tube, you know, our, our gas rod, our receiver, our triggers are all exactly the same that's in the military gun. So very few changes on that. And the rest of it is still a military gun, you know, because that's what we make for our military contractors. And we don't make two different grades of trigger triggers. We don't make two different grades of barrels. We make the same ones that are for our military contract. Logistically impossible to run triggers for military and for commercial. No way. It's just like bolt carrier. We make same bolt carrier for both uh, versions. We just cut, you know, the the additional right. shaving yeah. operation. Yeah. So, so you know, if we will have to run the separate lots for commercial and for military, we will get lost. <laughs> no way to distinguish the parts. So, 
that same part goes, you know, to to military and commercial, except you know, the commercial will have additional operations to to modify the parts to to suit semi-auto configuration. So so long story short, we can't cut parts or take shortcuts on our on our uh, civilian guns because we'd shoot ourselves in the foot on the military guns. So we do everything to military standard, and I'm not talking about what the U.S. calls this military grade for a piece of paper that, that follows it around on the, the lowest bidder product. Uh, our product is, is a high-quality product that's going over that is, it's, I would say, more than likely, it's probably on the battlefield of Ukraine right now. Um, so our products are, are military products. We are a Poland, the, the company in Poland cannot sell guns to civilians. They sell them to the U.S. market and then they sell them to the military. Um, in this case, it happens to be the largest arms supplier in the world, Excalibur. And you've been there, Marty. So, you know, from helicopters to tanks, uh, small arms, and we make all of their small arms. So we have to be doing something right or these military uh, there is lots companies of, would not buy from us. Lots of companies knocking to the Excalibur door, you know, Dasan, and I don't want to name all of them, but so far we 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 are only we, one supplier for years. And there's and there's several companies that competed against Excalibur for a military contract for one of the island companies for their five five six rifle that they have in the AK style. And we built that gun for them. That's our contract. As a matter of fact, uh, you can go to Classic Firearms and you can buy one of those guns uh, certified. Very cool. Let's do this now. Um, and you guys are um, putting out other guns besides the AK, um, some historical guns, the PPS-43, the PM-63, which we mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, it's kind of taut, and Marco's holding his up there. Uh, Talk a little bit about um, those two firearms that you guys are are putting out. That's nice. Where well, I like to sling, I like that sling. Uh, we we do the PPS forty three and nine mil and the historical seven six two by twenty five version, and we also do the PM sixty three. PM sixty three for a lot of you guys that are gamers and stuff. It's in it's in a lot of the different video games. It was in. Uh, the Umbrella Academy is one of the assassin guns that was in there. So it's a it's a it's a fun little uh, pistol nine by eighteen. Marcos having one there. Uh, it was originally full auto, and we've converted it to a closed bolt firing system on it that still shoots the nine by eighteen. Um, and then you have the seven six two by twenty five, which we have with it. And actually, we have a limited edition version of that one we call the Stalingrad version uh, because that gun was actually invented during the seas of Stalingrad. And it is credited with historians of being the best uh, submachine gun during World War II. And it was also the machine gun that stopped the Germans in the Third Reich. And basically that was one of the largest turning points in the war. And they actually produced that gun inside of Stalingrad while it was under siege. And that goes to the simplicity of the gun and how gun and how uh, the gun actually worked in there, uh, defeating the Germans with the reliability and the ease of manufacturing um, to to have that done. And then we have the nine millimeter version, which is really fun to shoot. Um, you know, they're they're pistols. That's how we bring them in, and that's what's categorized. 
Um, so there, it's a fun little gun in nine millimeter to take out to the range and, and relax and uh, do some yeah. target shooting and stuff with. Yeah, for those cool. who uh, like to have the NFA items, uh, like SBRs, for example, it's the easiest gun to uh, turn into SBR. It comes in with the uh, the stock, um, but it's um, you know fixed in place that it cannot be readily unfolded. But if you go through the process of filing the form, uh, whatever it is, form four is it, and then uh, getting the SBR, then you can uh, do it in your garage in a way. Yeah, it's a it's a very simple conversion. But can you I make one, one correction, CJ? It it was a siege of Leningrad. Yeah, that's what I said. What, did I say Stalingrad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the siege of Leningrad. It wasn't the siege of Stalingrad. Um, just, that, yeah, the, the three-year siege. Yeah. Get those two dictators mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. I, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, it's I'm easy a, to do. It's easy to do. It's okay. I'm a big fan of the movie of Enemy at the Gates, and so I, I yeah. always have Stalingrad on my mind. Uh, Which is yeah, a, a huge battle and stuff, so it's easy. But anyway, just to give you an idea, the guy who designed it was um, Sudayev. He was yeah. a colonel at the age of 24. And uh, furthermore, the, this design was so successful, right? And, and uh, like CJ mentioned, it was uh, deemed to be uh, one of the best subguns of World War II, if not the best. But Yves Sudayev, he won the first comp first stage of competition for the what we now know as the AK rifle. But unfortunately, at age 28, he passed away. With the, uh, he had debilitating disease and he died. And all of his plans to master that particular gun that he submitted for trials died with him. Mm. However, the uh, Kalashnikov went in and he took a lot of the componentry designs, like mm. design ideas from that gun and implemented on his uh, next stage submission variant. Now, so that's how, it, so if the guy didn't die, it wouldn't be AK, it would be AS. Good to know. Good to know. And, I, and, I, and I think Marco, you can, you can reiterate on this a little bit. Uh, the production of the, the PPS 43 was about eight hours. And then he come up to be able to reduce that production to, to total. I think it was less than that. I think it was an hour and a half. Am I right on that, Marco? Yes, absolutely. And again, to your point, it was done in the city that is under siege and constant bombardment. Yeah, yeah, under siege. Three, three years. Uh, it, it just talks about the stubbornness of the Russians. Uh, explains you a lot, uh, but just just how that they refused to give in and, you know, the starvation and everything else that they went through. And the entire time they're coming up with new ways to kill Germans. And you, you've really got to admire that part of history and and their uh, steadfastness that they did. Yeah, so that's exactly right. But then perseverance, but also the the genius of this design is so simplistic. And the biggest thing is uh, it was, you know, whereas PPSH, which we all know and love, right, with the drum and stuff. And it's a it's a good weapon. But um, I mean, it fired thousand rounds a minute, which has caused a waste of uh, unnecessary spent ammunition within, you know, in the country that was, you know, struggling with the war and everything. 
So this thing came in with uh, uh, a six, 600 rounds a minute approximately, which is the regular, most of the full auto uh, weapons nowadays, the modern ones that, that fire at that particular rate. But it made it also very good shooting gun. So the, the soldiers in the front line immediately appreciated it, which there was no appreciable recoil. It was easy to maintain with the, you know, disassembly takes like literally 1.75 seconds or something like that. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It's very easy, which means that it makes it even in the pistol form, right? Whether you're firing the 9mm or... Uh, or uh, you know 762 Tokarev makes a really really cool gun to shoot in semi in semi version of it i agree you know so it's a fun gun to shoot but i shot it yesterday i took it out uh, yesterday shot it the cj at that red october did we shoot at those rocks with this thing or with the with the ak's I think we shot we shot with the AKs and with that one. If I remember correctly, I won that shoot off. I don't know. There are a few people might disagree, but I think <laughs> I think the only person that would disagree would be you, Marco. Uh, uh, but I think it wound up me being it was a very slight win. It was one round. Do we have any video? You know, because this? I'm just gonna do this. All right. I don't do it often, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. On account of you having much better beard. That makes you better looking. I'm going to have to submit to that. So, Although I do have a picture of you with that rifle next to a T55. Oh, T62. T62. I yes, knew it was. Yes. I knew it was a tank. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one they had out there. So maybe we'll just call it a draw, and then we'll get together and do a shoot off again. Maybe we'll. Let's, let's bring do like that. Down. <laughs> I like that. That's that's good. We'll do that. So let's Except do this. I might because on account of me being all uh, old and stuff, I might have to have my son Brandon uh, substitute. No substitutes. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be, gotta be the originals. So let's do. Let's go to listener questions now. Uh, I made a post. I make a post before every episode asking for listener questions, and you guys definitely jumped in on this one. We've got a lot of questions here, so I'm not going to read them all. We're going to go through and. And pick a few but everybody's eligible like if you participated then you're eligible to win the prizes and uh cj um let's talk about that this this season's gonna be gonna be special and it's because of pioneer arms corps that the ak corner has been possible for these six years you guys jumped in our first year on this and got behind us and supported us on the ak corner and it was such a hit that we continued it every year uh going forward here so thank you guys for believing in me believing in this vision that i had to educate people and and you know bring the ak knowledge to the masses so appreciate you guys doing that and continuing it this year so you're, you're more than welcome on that marty we we appreciate everything that yeah. you're doing for the uh that you did with talking lead, you know, it was an inspiration when you come up with this idea that you wanted to do. And we definitely wanted to get in and support you and help the community with this, with answers. And I know our listeners are very appreciative and we continue to appreciate our listeners with the giveaway. So what are you guys uh, going to reward one of our lucky listeners with today? 
Well, we talk about our accessories and stuff, and we're going off with that. So I have a small accessory pack that we set up with uh, just for so that the guys that have regular AKs and stuff can modernize it. We have our enhanced safety. Uh, we have one of these that we're going to send out so that they can go with a, a safety on there. We have our glow-in-the-dark uh, patch, and it's Velcro, so you can put it on. The only way uh, we don't sell these or anything else, you can only get them if we give them out. Um, we also have our our uh, uh, got to get used to this camera here. This is our uh, our compensator to go up with it. It's got nice little uh, ridges in the end of it. As you can see that, in case you're going through a door and there's uh, let's say a mannequin in your way that you can thump in the chest to move, and it also uh, helps control the recoil there. Um, that'll fit that, on a 14 left. Yeah, it sure is left hand, so it'll fit right on there, direct fit. And then the uh, big thing that we're doing is we have these on here. Now, we were talking about our military guns. This replaces your rear sight to let you have your Picatinny on it. So you can oh, have nice. this set up on top for your rear sight. And it comes with a pistol grip. And the pistol grip has a storage compartment on the bottom there that you can put your rear sight in. Of course, you have to put a little piece of cloth or tape on it to keep it from rattling. That way you don't lose your rear sight. Just a little upgrade kit. Um, for the for the you know the AKs that they already have, and we'll get this sent Perfect. out to them, and they can uh, do an upgrade on it. Perfect. So that's one of a our good looking... looking pistol grip. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Yep, it's good looking. Uh, and then returning again as sporting sponsors, Mission First Tactical, and we're gonna give away one of their nice drinky drink. That's um, a big smoke grenade. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of smoke. That's a lot, a lot of smoke. I could use that. I could use that in a rack. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk to Dave about maybe getting getting some of those for our troops. But uh, we're gonna be giving away one of those today. And then also from Seal One, I don't have the whole kit here, but we're gonna give away a complete gun care kit, CLP kit from Seal One. You can see I've been using the crap out of this uh, on my guns. Uh, I've been doing a lot of cleaning up lately. The New Year resolution. Um, but yeah, one of you lucky listeners is going to get complete kit from seal one on that. You know, I've been running that. I have a, I have a belt fed, uh, I have a belt fed, uh, PKM. It's actually a PKM T. It was a Turk, uh, machine gun with butterflies on it. 54 R that's full auto. I have, I have one of the pre, the pre band ones, you know, that was authorized to have. And, uh, I run that on it when we go out to run the belt fed. And I mean, that bad boy just works smooth through it. I'll let you shoot it when you come down, Marty. You I'll okay. probably, probably you too, Marco. I'll probably have to show you how to load it, but it's, uh, would you Marco's probably got one? It. Yeah. I never seen it. I always, that was a dream of mine, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's butterfly and we have, we is have a nice one down here. in the tank? That's the thing. No. Uh, well, we'll talk about the tank later. <laughs> All right. First question is from Sinister Fist. Um, and this kind of goes back to the original Polish PMKs. Uh, can you please discuss the history and current use applications of the muzzle and underbarrel grenade launchers uh, specific to the Polish design, but interested in all variants, the uh, LON-I, the GP25, GP30, GP35. Thanks. That's all you, Marco. <laughs> well, I'm not familiar with the poll. I mean, I've seen the pictures, but I yeah. I, I had no experience at all with the uh, with the Polish design. But the GP25 is what we had uh, when I was in the service. 
and uh, of course the later uh, version of it was gp30 which is would accommodate uh, a modern uh, yes more modern uh, 100 series ak's but gp25 and it's um in its uh, uh design and i guess uh, intended use was an um, i mean was a great weapon i would say and that's uh, anybody that uh, you know can lob the grenade a few hundred meters or uh, put it into a, let's say a window somewhere or onto a group of enemy in the pocket of resistance or something at distance i mean it's 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 a great gun it's like your pocket artillery in the way uh, it's a simple to use. It's simple. It's a muzzle load instead of like unlike the um, M203. So it uh, we were issued with two types of grenades. Uh, one just a high explosive, and the other one like a jumper that would uh, initially jump to a, I think to a, like a meter height and then explode that way. So. In any case, I mean, I have nothing but the positive things to say about it. The only negative thing about it is, though, um, a lot of people don't realize this, but it puts a, a, a very, very harsh and a, and a lot of stress on the gun itself. And uh, it was recommended by the armorers to um, turn your gun in after 400 shots out of that grenade launcher. So the grenade launcher was all right, but... Uh, the gun itself starting to get destroyed, you know, in the way of uh, the, the 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 rivets and cracks in the receivers and so on and so on. It puts uh, a lot of stress on the on the gun itself. So, which but, is why they made it with more robust parts. Correct, and they the had that uh, plate installed in the um, AK seventy four M's and whatnot. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, it was uh, like I said, it's a great weapon, easy to use. It was issued with the rubber pad to put on the stock so you can fire it from uh, uh, from the shoulder. But in the, in my practice, it was always used as a, as a little mortar instead of the shoulder hill. Um, and the, the, some of the grenadiers that were uh, getting really good with them, they could estimate the angle of attack, so to speak, on which to lob the, uh, the grenade into the dwelling or over the fence or... You know so on and so on but you could fire it from the shoulder and that will give you a nice little kick yeah which as far as the launchers go modern day now um they either have something specific for that a separate uh rifle the, or mechanism and then I, I think i think in the cj barrels. could correct me if i'm wrong but i think a lot of the especially sf units uh trying to get away from the under barrel mounting of those things and then uh i think lmt came up with a standalone platform dedicated and uh, so it's easy to deploy it's easy so there's no confusion and it doesn't put any stress on the gun and then they just whip it out and use it as a as a separate weapon and it's compact it's not that you know you just sling it over shoulder on the back somewhere and then deploy it when you need it right and, uh, to get back to the roots of it, because the M79, which is one that we had in the 60s and, and 70s in Vietnam, was the thumper. Was, yeah. Was perfect, you know, if you were left-handed to be able to shoot. It was a perfect left-handed. And they went back to that. And the um there's all manner of different kinds that we have, but we've went away with it. Some of the standard military 
um, you know, let me say support units, not our first line uh, infantry units and, and uh, units. So a lot of the support battalions and stuff still have the underbarrel 203 that they have just because they haven't completely uh, went out of stock, but they have went to the um, single shot that has a collapsible stock on the back of it that you can pull out much, much more accurate, much more easier to use. And it didn't interfere with your uh, qualifications and stuff with your rifle because you're correct with that uh, being mounted underneath the rifle caused a lot of problems with zero. The rifles holding zero um, after they fired the, the 203 a couple of times, it would cause, it would cause issues with it. And then of course they have the multi-launch uh, 203 with, uh, almost like a, uh, I don't want to say a Gatlin, but almost like almost like a revolver with the multiple cylinders to be able to do it. Um, but I'm, you know, those come out a little bit later than I received out of the military, so I haven't worked with them a lot. And I've, I've seen the 203s on AKs, um, but I don't have any experience with them because we never, nobody ever dropped it with ammo. Yeah. Okay. I, by the way, I shoot it on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Between me and Brendan, we have two of them. And no, forty, 40 millimeters or thirty-sevens. No, forty, forty. The actual uh, LMTs. I'm gonna have. Um, to, I'm gonna have to stay away from you. You're dangerous, Marco. Dangerous. No, wait, wait. Uh, right before Christmas, I'm sitting in my, you know, leisurely in my lazy boy. <laughs> he walks Brendan carrying a RPG seven, a live RPG seven. <laughs> That guy is not gonna tell you. He's not gonna. You saw it, Marty, right? I showed it in the. Well, you you showed it on the show. Yeah, you did it on the uh, the season finale. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's. He, I think Brendan is installing a, a military type uh, tow hitch on his uh, Volvo, and I think he's preparing to tow like a triple M triple seven in. That oh guy's not gonna rest. I do. created a monster, Marco. You created a monster. <laughs> Whiskey River Beef, farm to table with a twist. Come along with us on a quest towards achieving self-sufficiency in food production and fostering a robust local food source to promote good health. Stock up with premium Tennessee beef, unparalleled in flavor and tenderness. You can be confident that you're receiving beef with no added growth hormones or implants. Always pasture raised, locally USDA processed and shipped straight to your home. Whiskey River Beef is grass and whiskey mash fed and finished and is at least 14 days dry aged to enhance the tenderness and give you the most robust flavor imaginable. Go to whiskeyriverbeef.com today to order. Visit us on Instagram at Whiskey River Life and on Facebook at Whiskey River Beef LLC. Whiskey River Beef is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. All right, next question. This is from Glotru, and uh, he's a longtime listener here. He said, I heard you guys mention years ago that Pioneer was doing military contracts for rifles. Are you still doing military contracts, and if so, for who? We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, so if you guys want to expand on that anymore, feel free. Hang not. on, what was the nickname of that guy? Is it like a Colonel Orloff <laughs> or something like that? G-L-A-U-T-R-E-U, <laughs> Glotru. I don't I don't know where you would say. You know, <clears throat> basically, basically, we can only tell that um, Excalibur Army is our end user, and and that's where our trail ends. Gotcha. And uh, we cannot release any more information on that. 
Fair enough. Uh, J Black, P2P, welcome back, Pioneer and CJ. And thank you for being one of the main reasons Lefty was able to begin this monthly segment that is now entering its sixth season. I currently have one of your pistols, one of the 12 you gave away through the AK corner, and love it. What plans do you have for Marco's favorite caliber, AK, the AK-74, even though there is a shortage on ammo? We, we, we don't. Uh, we don't have any plans for the AK-74 because the, right now there's no military application that would work on the contract side over there with it. And for everybody that stands back and says, oh, I want to get an AK-74, um, the productions and stuff that we would have to change, we would have to do hundreds. We would have to create modes. We'd have to do a dedicated line to be able to do those guns over. And then this gentleman and seven other people would buy it. And then we would have them sitting on the shelf because there's no ammunition for it. So it's it's kind of a, a profit thing. And we're trying to keep costs down by doing simplicity of certain certain calibers and stuff we're doing and then changing the different types of models and not getting in depth into the actual cost of that, uh, you know, the gun. We we can definitely build it. We've, you know, they were built in the past, um, not by us, but but by the previous company. But it, it just serves no reason for us to be able to do it. It's like people saying, man, I really love that. Um, you know, I really love the Suzuki Samurai. You know, but when they come out and find out that that Suzuki Samurai that they want for a production for the production cost of one, you know, the out it's just outrageous. The only reason their prices are as least expensive as they are is because we make so many of them and we already have the modes and parts and stuff to do it. Once we start changing it, research and development has to be there for the safety reasons and stuff, the test fires, and then it, it becomes cost prohibited versus the number that we're going to sell. I mean, and to be honest, we kind of gambled with the 22 uh, just because of the cost of building the 22, you know, the modes that we had to get to, you know, change the different parts on it. So we kind of gambled with putting the 22 out on the market as our newest firearm, just due to the fact of the way that the market is and how finicky it is and the number of sales that, that we were going to have on that gun. It's, you know, it's it's cost versus reward is, is what it boils down to. So. Yes, we love the 74. Yes, if him and a couple of 15,000 of his buddies want a 74 and want to put it in order, we will absolutely make him one. <laughs> well, you, you might get that order, so careful what you promise. Well, we're, we're waiting for it. Call me. Next. Just to mention something, uh, there's a company called Tela, T-E-L-R-A, Tela Impacts. That just brought in right before Christmas, brought in the one and a half million rounds of uh, newly produced five four five. And you have it Zer all from my Azerbaijan. And Marco has it all. I don't. I got like three boxes. Call Marco. Email Marco if you want some ammo. No, yeah. but there is. If you go online uh, to teleimpacts.com, I think. Uh -huh. And uh, buy the, uh, they only sell it because it's not um, the importer. So they don't sell it in packs. They sell it in the case, which is 1,500, I guess, rounds in the case. But if you put all caps, Marco, M-A-R-C-O, I think you get some kind of discount. 
uh-huh. or you get flagged. No, uh, no, you get a discount, but I don't. Do you I really? Just, I, I don't know how much. Do they re- they get a discount for real? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, they just sold out. So and if you and if you want to get the uh, if you want to get it cheaper, and you have you can get a letter from law enforcement. Uh, Classic has a Connex of it sitting there that's still core. Um, that you the can get original seven and six. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to have a letter. Yep. There you go. All right. Next question is Pacific Northwesterner. Glad Pioneer is having an entire episode to itself. They're having an entire season, uh, Pacific. Folks online love to trash Pioneer rifles for being low quality. I want to help be a Pioneer Arms truther and evangelist. So help me out. Are Pioneer front trunnions and bolts made from forged or cast steel? I want to see you guys succeed. Well, we just spent forged. Yeah, forged. Forged. They are forged. Uh, Gerard Link. Uh, how hard was it for Polish government to switch to the NATO round as far as tool up and everything else uh, to support the military? Uh, I don't know that they really switched to a NATO round, did they? They sure did. Yeah, they're buried. They're buried. a five-five-six gun. Oh, they got a five. They're okay. They're yeah. not using. The other one. Oh, okay. I got you. And we 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 do the five five six gun. So I think other than the logistics person, you know, other than the logistics, I don't think it was any problem at all. It it had to be a pretty easy transition. Yeah. Now, I think we covered this question too. Boba seventeen seventy six. Why the departure from casting to forging if it has been working all these years? You guys answered that. Is there concerns uh, for those of us that proudly own help ups that were cast? No, still covered. It's not an issue. It, we'll take it, care of that. Right. It really becomes of uh, peace of mind for those who, for, for let's say, consumer at large, right? So, so it's sort of like a, the same argument with uh, the people that are accustomed to 30, 30.06s or 30.30s and 308s saying that the 30 caliber AK better than, let's say, 505. Right, just because it's sturdy, it's bigger, and it's the same thing. It's like uh, we talked about high quality castings uh, in the military guns, and they had no failure, zero failure rate. But just because it says it's forged, you know, in somebody's mind, that means oh, that's better. And that's I'm thinking that's what an issue is at this point. But as far as the quality. Is concerned. I I wouldn't even blink once. Uh, no, no, that gun's that gun's fully warranted, and if they ever have a problem right. with that, they contact us, and we'll make sure that they're taken care of. Right, but the forged is forged, and the high high quality casting is just as good. If yeah, Marco he, stands behind it, then you know. Yeah, he can look at my face on here and know that I stand behind that gun as far as the warranty and everything else, and my warranty department and he'll be taken care of. I make sure that I'm on top of my customer service people, and if there's any issues or anything else, and they're, they're not rapidly um, getting back with our customers when we do have a concern, that I personally get involved in it. Here's a good question. Old Tennessean, which cans function best with your AKs, flow-through or more traditional suppressors? With ARs, each can has a different effect. How does the AK design compare? 
Actually, we're we're not a hammer forged barrel. We're a hook pulled barrel. So we have a truer center to the barrel, so they don't have to shoot the traditional flow through uh, cans like on most AKs that don't have a concentric barrel. Um, so we really don't have any problem with either one he wants to shoot. The traditional suppressor uh, works great on ours. And that being said, if you have a traditional press suppressor for your 308 and you would like to shoot it on your AK without having to go to the process of changing the threads on your suppressor, we make an adapter that goes from left hand to right hand that'll let you put your 308 suppressor onto your AK. Which is what I've got right oh, here. Look at, look at that. On this one. Yeah. And what do you think? Nice, nice firing gun. Nice. I didn't have any issues with it. It was accurate. Yep. It was quiet. Um, I mean, it shot great. Didn't have any problems with it whatsoever. I, I have on one of the demo guns that Pioneer Arms provided for my classes, I have the disavow, um, which is 3D printed. It's flow through a can, and it's just uh, Hollywood quiet with subsonics. Not a single misfeed, whatever, any kind of um, malfunction of any kind. And I'm switching between the subsonics, supersonics, whatever. It eats everything every time you put something in. Also, I had uh, experience with the Rocket. I believe it's the Rocket can, which is not flow through. And then you just get a little more gas in your face kind of type of deal. But other than that, works perfectly fine. And you don't have to. It's like a lot of people have uh, this uh, uh, wrong idea about uh, adjustable gas, a piston, and so on and so on. I never once had to experience anything but uh, just a... Yeah, and you can Lord intended. And you can find these to our website. So they're they're set up on the end of it. So you have so that they'll lock in. When you go there, it has a little wrench there. So to help you get your suppressor on and off when you want to take it off or your can um, yeah. to put it on the teeth on it. And once again, like I said, it just locks in by your pin, so you ain't got to worry about it backing off away from your barrel. But we sell these on our website, pioneerarms.com or pioneerarmsus. Uh, dot com and you can go there and you can buy these on our website very inexpensive they're out on the market uh, not our particular model they're a little bit different if you could find them for about 89 bucks or so ours are ours are well under the 40 dollar mark and oh, yeah. we have them on there and we also have the um we also have the adapters left hand to right hand if you have your favorite uh, muzzle brake from your uh, 556 gun that you want to run on our 556 rifles or on our 22, um, that you can do that without having to get a special something else. You can run your 22 can on our 22 rifle left to right hand, and then you can run your 556 can on our 556 rifle with our 556 adapter, you know, left hand to right hand thread um, to do that. And we sell those online also. Very. So, can I have a question? Yeah. Can I? Can I? Yeah, absolutely. Um, CJ, what's the best way to do it? To uh, insert the attach the adapter to the can, tighten it, and and then put it on the muzzle, or all the way around? I think just but just to make sure that you that, that you got the. I mean, it's just preference. Uh, I like to put the adapter on the gun first, so I can make sure that I've got it seated correctly, and then I like to put the can on top of that. So. Yeah. That way, there's not any canton or any cross threading or anything else going on. It's you, you have a steady platform um, before you screw it in there, and, th and then you're good. That's my opinion. Yeah. 
I, I think that's the best way to do it. Um, the threads that are put on there are really for once you once you've done like I like to do with my thirty cal and take it out to the range and put about four or five hundred rounds out of it, and there's a lot of carbon on it. Mm-hmm. So that wrench adapter's on there, really just to help you to get that to get that yeah. broken loose from the can itself, yeah. so you can clean the can. Yep, yep. I mean, I just had I had no problem getting mine off right then, and I shot, like I said, about three hundred rounds through it yesterday alone. So it's fine. All right, next question, Brett Bedal. Glad to see Pioneer Arms as a sponsor. Talk about five five six AKs. Are these built using imported or U.S. barrels? With popularity of standard AR mags, do you plan to offer a version that uses AR mags? Is there any disadvantages to that style mag on an AK? As much as I love 545, I have zero interest in playing the games of trying to buy food to feed it. Yeah, we just covered that. Uh, well, our five, we, we have a world-winning, uh, award-winning uh, barrels that we make in Poland. So the barrels on the 5.56 gun are made in Poland. Um, and we bring in the gun to do the 922R process. Um, I actually think that our magazine design that we have, which is a compliant part that, of course, we have molded here in the U.S. off, off of our molds, is a superior magazine to the AR-type style magazine. Um, I mean, it's, I think, I think that we've, we've done a really good job designing it, and I don't see a need for us to change anything else. It does fit a couple of other rifles that are out there that have the same 5.56 pattern with it. I know Zastava, it fits, it fits their 5.56 gun without any problem. Um, but no, our, our rifle that we make over there, once again, it, it was made for our military partner that we have, and we've taken that rifle and, and converted it to civilian use. And uh, I personally don't think there's a need to change the magazine and reinvent the wheel. Do you, Michael? Mm-hmm. Of course. There, there's an adapter floating out there in the marketplace that you insert, install it like an AK-designated um, um, mag wheel, and then then you can, and then it would accept the uh, um, AR mags. But I don't see the need for it. So, quite honestly, our mags are our mags are very inexpensive. We all of our accessories and stuff that we sell for our firearms to include our magazines. And this includes the magazines for our 22. Uh, we have our accessories sell, sold at a price. So if you buy our firearm, you can get our accessories very inexpensive and to be able to dress your gun up. Whether you want to go to a full polymer set or you want to go to a handguard rail system, you know, with the with the uh, collapsible stock on the back of it. We our accessories are, are very inexpensive to for the market. And we've done that to for the customer that gets one of our guns to want to go ahead and create uh, a one-off or something different and be able to do it and not bake the break, uh, excuse me, bank, break the bank. I had a TBI moment there. Um, For our customers to be able to do that, to upgrade their rifle inexpensively and to make it look super nice and to change it. Very good. Mustang Perry, so excited to see Pioneer Arms USA returning as sponsor. I would love to get my hands on a laminate furniture rifle. You can't beat the classic looks of the AK. I would have the I would have to second John Adams the third question about any plans on doing a five four five. I know you guys are standard stocks and underfolders, but do you have any plans on having side folding triangle stocks in the future? 
Thanks for sponsoring the podcast. We already have side folding stocks. We don't have the side folding triangle stock because there's plenty of those on the market. And I don't really see the need of putting the, uh, being able to change the back of our receivers and stuff to be able to do that. When we're, you've got to understand, Marty, we're only doing 1,200 guns a month. So we're not mass producing and throwing all these rifles and stuff out there. We're doing 1,200 guns a month and we're doing them in a couple variations. And that 1,200 guns include PM63s, PPSs, 556, 762, and 22. So we're, we're limited on the number of guns we could produce. Um, so we're not we're not going to take that production time away that we have to be able to come out with another product that may or may not be a hit. Come on, Michael, expand that factory. <laughs> if you can expand the buyers, we will expand the factory. The buyers are there. They will buy. Bring it and they will buy. We, they're for sale on our website. Go there. There you go. So first off, guys, start buying more. And then you'll see all these other different. What's ones. the minimum order? Fifteen thousand. Five four five. Man, we could probably get away with the ten thousand round order. Ten thousand. Marty, send send it out to every. They're listening now. The so email me, Leadhead. Let, let, let us know and send in a deposit, and we'll get to work on them. We're going to start a Sam's <laughs> Club for buying AKs. Yeah, because it's you know we have to have. We have to have that initial money to put in there to be able to do it so we don't charge yeah, get it. our existing customers um, so they don't have to do, do the Biden tax to, to add on for somebody else's product. Well, hopefully we don't have that much longer. But uh, anyway, Michael, we were, we were talking earlier about the factory, and you have actually expanded uh, the factory. You guys have, have grown. And uh, talk a little bit about that, about the expansion that you guys have experience uh, since you were there five years ago we we added additional over 10,000 square feet and basically uh, this allowed us to place a new wood processing line uh, expand a little bit cnc machine uh, add additional cnc machines for the capacity we're doing right now for the forged trunnions yeah, because twelve hundred is of course the commercial side. We we do another another you know quantities for the military. So we needed we needed more capacity and uh, basically uh, we brought additional additional machines to 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 cover everything in house. Right now, the last step which. Hopefully, uh, we will do this year or maybe beginning of the next year. How uh, Dilat mentioned, we, we we produce all of the plastic parts on our injection molds, but uh, this is the last parts we are doing outside, uh, and we, we are getting the injection machines and will produce all of the composite parts in, in house in as well. So this will actually cover production from the smallest pin and spring to the to to the barrel and and all of all of the parts in house all the parts nice yeah, yeah. let's see there's been a, several questions about uh this so thanks so much for starting the corner and keeping it going 
How are supply chains going these days? Question mark. Any input on 762 shortage? There seems to be a lot of listeners that think there's a shortage on 762. It's on the ammo? Yeah. Okay. In 2022, 762 ammo, you could buy it in bulk for 25 cents a round. Uh, right now, it's 58 cents a round. So there is a shortage in that due to the fact that there is the embargo. I, as you know, I used to work with Wolf Ammo, helping them with their sales and some of their research and development on that. Right. And basically, um, the owner of Wolf Ammo was smart enough, along with his uh, his vice president, where they bought several warehouses full of ammo and were able to fill it uh, before this this happened to shut down the importation of it. And uh, I think Marco has an associate that did the same thing and brought in a bunch of uh, Russian ammo with it. So basically what we're looking at is you're looking at a couple of old satellite countries um, that are trying to gear up and start producing the 762 that's needed. Now, there's a couple of U.S. companies that also produce the 762, but the days of 10 and 15 cent around 762 ammo is not here anymore. Um, yes. You know, and that's the 223 slash 556. Um, that's part of the reason we went and brought that rifle onto the market is it's more economical to shoot your AK with 556 than it is with 762. And the same thing with 22 ammo. It's, it's more economical to be able to do it until this stuff all gets sorted out uh, overseas. You know, we'll, we, we won't have inexpensive ammo. Um, yeah. You know, on that 7.62 side, there's a war going on. So they're doing a huge draw. Um, yeah. The Ukrainians have switched just about all to NATO um, ammunition and stuff that they're doing. You, there's a couple of old water cool 30 cals that they're actually using over there in the battle. So they're using up a lot of 308 also. So there's a lot of ammo getting pulled from that. I don't see the prices ever coming down uh, unless unless that stuff opens up. So 7.62 is more expensive to shoot, and the 5.56 guns are, are less expensive to shoot and actually more accurate. Um, so the guys that want the AK platform are going to have to basically pay the price for the ammo, or they're going to have to start looking at the 22 line and the 5.56 line. Marco, do you have any input on that? I do. I do. Uh, what I'm just going to second everything you said. Uh, just now, but um, as far as, um, uh, you know, I mentioned Teleimpacts, and I have no affiliation with these guys. I just know the owner, and we just talk every now and then about life in general. But uh, Teleimpacts uh, brings in three containers a month from Azerbaijan, um, uh, 7.62M, along with the one container of 545. So they kind of starting to make uh, rounds in the industry. But like you said, it's uh, 50, 50 cents a round, probably going to be a, a price for a foreseeable future and possibly rising to or, or staying somewhere. Yeah, but the three containers is nothing worth nothing it. I mean, it's nothing. Nothing. One distributor, one distributor will take three containers in a heartbeat. Yeah, Every, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. And uh, it's... Uh, I mean, just to give you an idea as a contrast, uh, Wolf used to bring 42 containers of various calibers, but uh, mainly 7.62, 42 containers a month in the heyday. Yeah, and still behind. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, 
those days are over and probably will never come back uh, and uh, uh, but however there is a source of uh, a steel case um, like a Soviet design M43 ammo is still there but like I said it's uh, limited to three containers which is a million per container three million a, a month now there, now there is some ammunition that's going to be coming out before long that's been that was part of the embargo that you're just waiting to hit that 10-year mark for it to be released and to be able to come out so there is some ammo that's going to be coming down in the future so don't throw your 762 gun away but it is going to be problematic for for the near for the near future all right so ton jones says this is for all those in the comment section. What ammo shortage on 762? Question mark. I just purchased four cases of 762-39. I paid more in shipping than I did in October when I ordered my last four cases, but still no issues. Ammo Seek is your friend. Just a friendly tip. Yeah, I mean that's that that's one of them. Ammo Seek, Lucky Gunner, a couple of those large companies that are doing that. You can still find the ammo out there. We're not saying you can't. We're just oh, yeah. saying that the prices are going up on it. He's just jabbing those people a little bit. So. Um, there's several questions. I'm going to try to sum up um, these guys. They're about the 556. Five, Flood Munitions, J. Edgar Paradox, Midwest Savage. Um, basically, it has to do with the, the ammo and the 556, five, 762, and 556, five, and good Lord, the 545, with the prices going so high. Do you see the 556 AKs taking off more in 2024? Or have you already started to see that? Worse, yeah, they've we've already had a product. I have models that are sold um, that I'll be here this week that starting in November, we started to get heavier orders for them. So we I have seen the the movement of 556 guns over. And and actually I've seen um straight stock 7.62 guns and straight stock 5.56 guns pick up, whereas the underfolders, which we all thought would be huge movers, the underfolders have slowed down and the side folders have slowed down and PPSs have come to a crawl. I see this on that. Uh, Bailey Muller says, do you plan to bring any more Comblock SMG PCC clones to American market? I've seen the PPS 43 and I'm curious if you have anything else similar coming down the pipeline. So more the, the historic type. Yeah, I, I don't think so because we, those, they have to understand we have to have a working model to be able to do the, the reproduction parts to be able to bring it in the U S because we have to change it you know, from, from a full auto to a semi-automatic to a closed boat uh, firing system, some of the changes that we may have to do for it. And I don't see us being able to bring that in because all the surplus that we get now, um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Michael, you buy that from old military guns that the country has itself and warehouses and release them periodically for us to be able to purchase and do the remanufacturing of, of the different parts. So I don't see... I don't see us having a window from another country due to the fact that a lot of the countries that would have that are either at war with Russia or still friends with Russia. So I don't see those getting reduced where we would be able to do anything without going back and doing a retro design and then trying to bring in something 
that basically we had to start from scratch over. But it, you know, true, just we need to mention this because it gets overlooked. Uh, a true piece of history, and I would say not just any kind of history, but like a firearm design history, is the and it's available in its semi-automatic version is PM sixty three pistol. Yep. And uh, it's uh, it's the interest. I mean, uh, if you were gonna get a functioning gun, uh, a real military gun with its uh, sort of uh, um, thoroughbred firearm design papers, this would be the gun that it's kind of stands on its own in its design and its layout and the way that the gun operates and stuff. So um, it would be a uh, unbelievable and uh, well-deserved kind of its placement in anyone's collection uh, of that particular gun, the PM63 rack. And it's, and, it's, and it's a good thing you mentioned that because there's not a lot of those left for us to convert. So the market is getting smaller and smaller on those. And I don't know the exact number. I'm sure Michael could go look it up. But the, it's, not into the, it's not into the tens of thousands. It's into the less it's into the less of thousands. There's probably less than 5,000 that can be made and converted uh, and imported. I don't know the exact number. Michael would have to dig in his books to find that out, but that's it. There was, now there was a company that managed to buy a bunch of them from Austria and they brought the guns in from Austria and imported them into the U.S. and they were all uh, full auto. So they all had to be seized and destroyed as soon as they got here. And uh, so that was a huge part of history that was lost. But they're, they're, we're running out of them. And so we, we produce them sparingly. And uh, Atlantic Firearms and Classic Firearms are the only two companies um, that we sell those to. And the reason we do that is one, we most of our business is through distribution. We don't do direct sales. It's hard to do 1,200 individuals versus when you can go with uh, two large stores as Classic and Atlantic. And uh, we want to keep the gun there for those guys to be able to sell it out. And you know where you'd be, be able to get it out and to get a quality product. Guns, oil, and dirt. And who's this? Several, several of these are comments welcoming you guys back. Welcome back, Pioneer Arms. So just, they just commented that so that's great austin whalen uh so thank you austin for that uh let's finish up with this one and to the extent that you guys want to go into it where'd it go it's something about the factory symbols got so many questions here so thank everybody for taking the time to Post your questions, your comments. They're much appreciated. Uh, where did it go? If he's talking about the PPS 43, there's several different C's, B's, triangles with a one in it uh, that all indicate a different company that did the PPS 43s because there were the countries that did it in 1944, 1945 inside of Leningrad, not Stalingrad inside of Leningrad. And then after that, there's companies that would continue to make the PBS 43. And I think as far up in the 60, but I know 58, uh, 58 had the, I believe the symbol of the C 
was stamped on the receiver for it. As far as our guns and stuff, you had the original uh, guns that were coming out just had the 11 on the side of them. And then it went to a circle 11 to separate the two different companies. And then after Perestroika, the two different companies become one company because they were no longer uh, the two different Soviet factories. Uh, we have the trademark for the factory 11 and we have it inside of our Archer thing. Um, yeah. We don't have the right to use circle uh, is the factory that we got with there. So, I mean, it's the two main factories to build AKs for the Soviet Union during the Cold War period were factory 11 and circle 11, which are both in Poland, were two designated factories to do that. So those are what the markings are. And then our markings on side the gun are as far as the logo, we have our Archer logo on the side of it. And then we have uh the starting of the pac which pack we have that on it and then we have the year date which is stamped inside of there which we have to have uh, but on account of polish law so unlike a, a brownie high powered or something or a 308 uh, m1 grand or something you picked up that you have to go and research the numbers for the year on you can look at our rifles and tell what year the gun was made because it is stamped on the receiver did that answer did that help clarify some stuff uh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I can't find that question it's in here somewhere. So whoever asked that question, uh, if you want more that didn't answer your question, email me, talkingletgmail.com, and, uh, or we'll cover it on another show, another episode, I'm sure. The history of the PPS-43 is really available online. It's a really interesting story on it. It's going to be available here on the Talking Let podcast because we're going to talk about it. Okay. We're going to do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So looking forward to that episode. Uh, and speaking of Marco, we're gonna know we've got uh, got a whole season ahead of us. We've got more of the Pioneer Arms that we're gonna talk about: the PPS forty three, the PM sixty three. Uh, you and I were talking about camouflage last season. We're gonna do an episode on the different camouflages um, that are out there. And uh, what else did you have in mind for this season, Marco? I know. Well, I know we should cover a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just say there are several other things that you and I had discussed that we were gonna we were gonna go in more detail on. I think we should uh, separate, like in Russia, we say separate the flies from the cutlets. <laughs> so meaning, we need to talk about various books that's available, like AK books that's available out there. Okay, Maybe such as know. such as this one. Yeah, that's a really good. I have the I have a signed copy of that one. It's a really good one. Oh, really? Yeah, the author seems like he's kind of autistic, yes, but it's a really good book. It is a really good book. And the book we're talking about for you listeners is the AK-47 Survival and Evolution of the World's Most Prolific Gun. Even though Marco makes no money from this whatsoever, it's, it's yeah, still... Yeah, my last royalty check was $26. <laughs> it's sad. It's so, so You need to reprint this, Marco, and... I'm thinking maybe I'm writing a, a, a couple chapters to it and do like a second edition. Yeah. Maybe designate, uh, concentrate on the modern case available in the U.S. type of deal. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. But anyway, no, I'm saying there's a lot of uh, really good books written by various people. And there's a lot of just a Wikipedia page rewrites. Yeah. And uh, so I thought it would be a good segment. No, that'd be a great one. Yeah, I think we should do that, definitely. So, 
lots of good episodes coming up. And then, of course, you know, we talked about uh, putting together a range day, doing a listener appreciation range day. So we're kind of in the works on that, getting something ready for that, doing a Marco experience range day. And then for our AK versus AR episode, our annual epic battle it out, we're wanting to take that to the range this year also. So Yeah, because it was it was like a beating a little boy. That's what it felt like. <laughs> You Words. Gotta, you gotta find some better AR-15 people. Hey, that's no, up. That's kidding. up to I'm the kidding. AR-15 podcast. <laughs> He's supposed to be bringing his his A game, and I leave that up to him. So, yeah, they're the experts on the AR, so they're supposed to bring the experts. I'm sorry, I get sometimes overly competitive. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, but it's funny, and it's a good it's a good time, and we have a good show with that. So I thought it'd be better rather than words. We actually do actions instead of words for that episode and and just show people. So that that's going to be fun. And then uh, for our listener questions, again, Pioneer Arms is stepping up to the game. They're supporting the podcast. They're supporting new listeners. And every third episode, we're going to give away a firearm from Pioneer Ooh. Arms. What? Uh, really? But you're going to have to do more than just post questions because that's not going to get it. And we're going to give you more details on that coming up on what you're going to have to do to be eligible to win the firearm. So, CJ, you want to talk about um, maybe one or two of the guns that we're going to be giving away this season? Yeah, we're definitely going to give away a PM63, but we're also going Ooh. to give, and we're also going to do custom guns. We're going to manufacture a custom gun um, for these individual events, and it'll be a limited edition done gun complete with the serial number a certification for the company um, to make sure that it is a a rare item that you have probably a one of one wow uh, item that we do we go out there to a different variation of something that we're doing i'm just not going to go back in the stock closet and grab out one of our sellers i will personally get with my machinist and we will sit down and we will take one of our uh, basic rifles that we have and we'll do some of the different um adapters and stuff that we have here for it and we will we will build a truly custom gun for this individual that's a hammer he can go out and uh, beat it up as much as he wants but it, it will be a unique gun that we do uh, on the second thought where you were talking about doing a range day and something like that yeah I, th I think we owe it to your listeners to maybe look at doing three range days i think if we do one in the south which we could do at my facility here in florida and then uh, before it gets cold, we could do one at Marco's facility up in uh, uh, Michigan. You, you still have friends in Michigan, don't you, Marco? A few. Okay. And then we have Marco's facility. We could probably do something to bring leadheads in. And I'm thinking that uh, you may know somebody around Murfreesboro that we could probably do one uh, right there in the center of the, of the whole Ohio Valley. Um, or Nashville, yeah. Or or something like that that would be more centrally located so that more lead heads could come and visit and see what we got going on without having to be such a burden on their pocket. I like that. I like that. So I need your feedback, lead heads. Email me, talkinglead at gmail.com. I want to know everybody's interest in uh, the range day events that, that CJ just mentioned. Uh, Marco's, Marco's going to shoot his 203. <laughs> it's or whatever, whatever it's called. Yes, M203s. 
Yeah. That's going to be on the table. That's going to be so, out there. So it's possibly, possibly, but it's going to be more of like a demo. So we can't let people do it because the, the just uh, it's too expensive, but we can do. Uh, I'm going to let people shoot my, I'm going to let people shoot my belt fed, my butterfly belt fed. I'm going to let, let him. No, I mean, yes, if you allow me to put mine, just a regular PKM next to it. Okay. I can, we can do that. And then, uh, of course, the, like I said, we might have a demo for RPG Seven. Well, we can we have a demo where we have uh, some pallets on fire, and we have a spesnots jump over top of it and do a backflip. That's air. That's airborne. Uh, well, that's, that's what he's, airborne. It's what he's training his son to do now. Yeah. But uh, let's let's give away our prizes. We need to wrap this up. So. Um, for our listener prizes for this episode, we're giving away the Mission First Tactical um, Drinky Drink, giving away the Seal One package, and then the Ultimate uh, Gun AK Upgrade Kit there from Pioneer Arms. So let's start off with the Seal One. Um, which question do you think deserves the Seal One? Which question did you like for that? Or we could pick a number between one and thirty-two, and do it that way. And I could count down. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Twelve. Guns, oil, and dirt. I mean, that's perfect for a seal. Sure, he needed oil. <laughs> Guns, oil, and dirt. Yeah, he says, he needed that. His was Woohoo AK Corner, my absolute favorite. So there you go. That's why you're, we're your favorite, Guns Oil and Dirt, because we're giving you a Seal One and Done complete gun care kit. You guys go to sealone.com, use the code LEADHEAD, and you're going to get 25% off any of the products at Seal One. And they also have a new uh, gun rod cleaning set. Second to none on the market. Absolutely high quality uh, gun cleaning rod set for your pistols and your rifles. So, seal one and done. Perfect. Guns on and dirt. You know the routine. Email me, talkinglet.gmail.com. Tell me what you won, and we're going to need your address. All right. Next, we're going to give away the mission first. How about the guy that did the uh, question, the first question about the 545? Because he probably needs to drink water and think about the ammo expense. <laughs> he needs to chill out a little bit. No, he doesn't need to chill out. He just needs to think about the income that it's going to cost to go out and, and be able to shoot that gun at a, a dollar to two dollars a round. Ah, yeah, so he can uh, save the money from, you know, not buying some of the free shit. Right. Getting it out, filling his bottle yeah, up with the hose. Extra, yeah, absolutely. He could use the extra free stuff. Let's see. I think that FPS Murdoch. That looks like the first one that has the 545 question. He says, welcome back, Pioneer Arms. That said, can you gentlemen give your thoughts on the future of the 545 AKs? That's the one. So, yeah. yeah. FPS Murdoch, longtime listener. Congratulations, Murdoch. A mission Good first, life. drinky drink. It might be the M18. It might be the C4. Who knows which one you're going to get. Important thing is to drink water, take a knee, and pull security. Face out. <laughs> what and about for, ibuprofen <laughs> for the grand prize the parts kit the ak parts kit upgraded parts kit from 
Pioneer Arms Corps. How do you want to do that? You want to you want to pick a question? Or you want me to pick a number here? Uh, you want to go with the guy that uh, asked questions about uh, five five six when they're going to be available? Oh, there were several. There were several that asked that. All right, you just pick twenty three then. Oh my gosh! Ah, right. pick eleven for Factory Eleven. There you go. All right, unless gonna... it's Marco, don't give it to Marco. That was my question, by the way. It looks like it is Austin Whalen. Congratulations, Austin. Austin Whalen. He's in Texas, too. So there you go. So we know he has several AKs. Oh, yeah. He's got some AKs. Uh, I, think he, I think he might have been one of the uh, winners from season one. Ah, so, he's got stuff for his project. So he can upgrade his, his help up if he got one of his help up. Hip up. So there you go, Leadheads. Again, thanks to everybody who participated. And I'm going to get you details because you're going to have to work for these guns. These guns aren't going to be just ask a simple question. You're going to have to participate. You're going to have to go sign up for newsletters and follow on social media. And we might even have you post pictures uh, of yourself and tag. So these aren't going to be your normal, just, you know, ask a question type stuff. You're going to have to do it all to get these. We're going to make you work, Marco, right? Oh, I mean, my favorite would be a three sentences essay about Pioneer Arms. Yeah, most of our most of our guys can't read. Um, All right. They'll use AI for that. I would say dogs in the pictures would help a lot. Ah, there you go. Oh, okay. Good one. Something, something to keep in mind there. And we'll have the details on the next AK corner. We'll give you all the specifics on what you got to do. So you'll be ready for the third episode. And then, like I said, every third episode, we're going to be giving one away. And then is the PM 63, is that going to be the grand prize at the end of the year? We will say it'll be the grand prize at the end of the year, although it may be a grander prize before that. Ah, you never, that's what I love about CJ is he even surprises me with stuff. I have I have a rifle in mind that we do not sell that you cannot buy, that there is only one in existence, and for people that have been watching me on uh, our Facebook page Pioneer uh, Arms US, been watching us on the Facebook page, if they like it and share that Facebook page we have and follow it, and they go back and look through some of my videos, they might find a one of a kind unique AK that we have. Ah. That just may be going to them with the certification that this is the only one in existence of this type of model. Oh, I think I know. I like one. this. I, know which one. I like this. So that's an example of things you're going to have to do to be to win these guns. So the on Instagram, are you guys on Instagram too? You're on Instagram. Well, Instagram and it's Pioneer Arms. I don't. I don't. Pioneer Arms USA, right? Yeah, I've got to get the guy that set it up to give me the password because half the people are blocked, and I don't really do it. I don't really do Facebook, as you know, begrudgingly. Um, yeah. But I do stuff and kind of help the company move. But I will say this one item that we're doing sells for as much by other companies that have made similar ones to this uh, for two to three thousand dollars. Oh wow! But this will be the only one. Well, that's. I'm going to make I, up an account just so I can enter. I have an idea, and this is more in the Michaels area. Yeah. For a grand prize. You know, like at the price of all prices. 
you know how we touched on history and on uh, Michael's great-grandfather's cavalry unit? Uh -huh. What were they armed with as far as like the sabers? Was it the saber of particular particular design saber? Sword? Is that what you're talking sword, about? Sword, yeah. Yeah, sword. It, it, they did they did have it and it was um it, it's more of a Middle Eastern curved design. And I it was it's not the Saladin. I'll have to look at to go back and tell you exactly what it was. Not like Shashka, they call them, no? No, it wasn't a Shashka. And Oh, here it is. I got a picture of it. Okay. To go back on the, that Calvary while we're talking about it, there's, you know, a, a lot of people like to tell Polak jokes, and they all started during World War II where the Poles attacked the German tanks with, with pikes and horses. Yeah. And everybody said, you know, that the, oh, yeah, yeah, see, the see the big curve on yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So, so, the, um, so the Poles were told by the British, who were their close ally prior to World War II, about this, the, the German tanks were canvas and wood. So that's what they were told. So when the invasion initially started, all of these horse cavalry units attacked these armored vehicles on horseback because the Germans built these armored cars in secret and the British said that they didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So that's where the whole, the whole Pollock thing started about how that the Poles were stupid because they attacked tanks with spears. And that's yeah. where that whole concept started. But the idea I had was to have the replica with the unit engraved in it, you know, hobo, and uh, have that in the Pioneer Arms, of course, to have that as a as a great like, now Ranger price. That's a good idea. We, we can, can try to find, maybe we can find one of the cannons they originally used <laughs> and do the barrel on it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's something we could definitely go with is a sword on there but we don't produce the sword so it'd be a nice uh emblem maybe you do a special release with that on the side of your your AKs. that would be kind of cool well we i think the giveaway guns are all going to have a special hand ak on it maybe something like that i don't know sort of. <laughs> all right guys that does it for this episode again big thanks to michael and cj for bringing back season six with a bang guys we really appreciate it and we're looking forward to and you guys are welcome back on every episode if you want to come back on every episode um i know that you're here in the u.s now michael for for a short time so we definitely need to try to get me down there and let's uh let's set up and do an episode from from the uh, pac usa headquarters sunny florida sunny. <laughs> as it gets colder up there Sunny in Hurricane Florida, yeah, baby. Yeah, let's let's just combine our joint effort and bring me down there. Yes, <laughs> me and Marco will just Marco on your way down. You pick me up. Marco's kind of expensive because he has to have a limo with a driver. He has to have a server in the back. He's kind of expensive when you take Marco places. I gotta tell you, man, on that trip that we took, I mean, we were we were. We had our own driver and everyone like a really nice bus that we were being carted around the whole country on. I mean, it was it was amazing, man. I enjoyed that. We appreciate you uh, you continuing doing this show and you we appreciate you giving us the option to be able to sponsor you again, Marty. Marco, of course, we absolutely love you on the show. The knowledge that you have, um, unreal. Yeah, it's just yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I know there's somebody smarter on AKs out there. I just don't know if they speak English. So, <laughs> so it's great having, it's great having you on the show. We really appreciate this. We, 
We really believe in our product. We believe in the AK Corner and we believe in the AK community. And we want to continue supporting it with the best products that we can. Very good. And Leadheads, again, go to their website, which is, I got it right here. I got these graphics. Pioneerarmsus.com. And uh, Michael, what what is y'all's? Is it Pioneer Arms Dash? It's Pioneer Dash Pack.com. Pioneer Dash Pack.com. And we have a new website that'll be coming out here that we're working on through some mutual friends, Marty. Um, yes. That we'll, we'll have out before long. And it's going to have, you'll actually be able to go look at the history. Plus, it'll have all the specs and stuff on our different firearms uh, and, and where to be able to purchase it. A lot of other stuff that we'll have on it. More of an interactive website versus just yes. a come buy products here website. And our listeners know Black Tie. Black Tie is a sponsor of the show. So, Black Tie Digital Marketing. Uh, they redid the Talking Lead logo. So, they're responsible for our new logo that we had all last season. And uh, you guys are going to have a newsletter, and that's where that newsletter is going to come in that I was talking about for participation. So uh, all good things coming in 2024 for the AK community, for the AK Corner, for Pioneer Arms, for Marco. I don't know if you made any resolutions or not, but uh, I know that the Leadheads have a lot of suggestions for you on your resolutions. But Yeah, you need, <laughs> to, grow your, you need, some. You need to grow your beard. Mm. Yeah. You get thicker. <laughs> the only man. in certain places. <laughs> Until next month, leadheads, go and study up on your AK. Get those brains churning on things that you can do to impress us with your AK knowledge and your AK artistic abilities. So we're going to elaborate on that. Uh, but enjoy the rest of your January. And this is a great kickoff of 2024. So we will see you next month, Leadheads. Out. Pioneer Arms for USA is a proud sponsor of the Talking Left AK Corner and the Left Head Brigade.